All right, back in studio on the 17th of October, 2023, another triumphant return to and from the Health Freedom Expo in Chicago. Shout out to Julie Whitman Klein and the Trinity family for putting on another sensational event. We've got lots of stories to tell. We'll see if we can get Pepper him in uh, as we crank up this broadcast week, first live show of the week. Uh, we got Marjorie Wildcraft joining us again and talking food preservation and all kinds of good stuff that we need to know uh, and get better at. And uh, second hour, Jason Rance, first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show. What's killing America inside the radical left's tragic destruction of our cities? That's some of the discussion points today, as well as uh, who's behind the plot to uh, push farmers off their land. And a homeopathic hit of the day related to your eyes and your eyeballs and your eyelids. All of that coming up on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Tell your friends the place for health, freedom and healing liberty right here. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. Share the show. See in the chat room. Let us know where you're listening or watching from. And we'll kick it into gear right about now. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, we're back. And uh, I, I got to, right now, first and foremost, I haven't been live since this happened. I mean, it happened live. I was doing the health uh, freedom. No, it was the uh, CAM panel. They call it complementary alternative medicine panel. Super Don uh, texted me on Sunday while I was live at the, the the Trinity Health Freedom Expo to learn of the passing of the most wonderful Suzanne Summers. And and uh, just, you know, it was a, sh- a shock, even though we know she's been dealing with breast cancer uh, related issues for 20 some odd, 25 years or such. But she was almost 77. There were people gathering for her 77th birthday and she passed away a day before that uh, with her husband. I think her son was there as well. <clears throat> Why this is more than just, a, you know, read about a celebrity that, that dies is because we had rapport. Uh, and and a, a, a friendship with Suzanne because of uh, the many things that she did for many of our friends, including especially one of my best friends who's no longer with us, uh, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez. And what she did for Dr. Nick and, and Dr. Nick did for her it was sensational. And she'd appeared on this show a couple of times at least and was very kind. Um, we were at Dr. Nick's funeral together, along with another number of other folks that, you know, uh, Mary Beth, the widow, her um, his widow and um Carol Alt and others, but I mean, Suzanne Summers was just kind and, and, and loving and, and, and such a genuine warm hearted person and a super intelligent dynamic in terms of business, what she did with her husband, Alan, and they had a relationship for the ages and she would talk about it openly on, on, on air, off the air and everything. And, and it was really, I, I remember one of the things she said to me, as we were all in tears and crying together at Nicholas Gonzalez's funeral uh, back in New York uh, some years ago now. Uh, and she was just, you know, confided in me, just said, you know what? And she said this to me, Nick, Nick really loved and adored you and appreciated you and all of that. And, and I knew that, but I mean, you know, just how nice, you know, when we're all grieving for her to think of, you know, someone to say a nice thing in that regard, it just shows the character of Suzanne Summers. And I, I don't know, Super Don, we go back a lot of years with her on the show. I don't remember were they video or audio only. It's been so long since we had her on. Those those were back in the radio days. So we had audio interviews with her. Yeah, we might yeah. have to bring those back out. I don't think those are lost. I think those still exist. 
Uh, but, uh, yeah, good memories. And of course, Suzanne Summers is a very uh, outspoken supporter of the truth about cancer. <clears throat> Our friends, Ty and Charlene Bollinger and all the things. And what a, what a dynamo in, in her life to, you know, to play one of the most classic, probably beloved and re- remembered characters in TV history in three's company when she played Chrissy snow. And you know, it takes a very smart person to play dumb. This, I don't know if everybody understands that <laughs> when you're a comedian, or, uh, or an actor to play dumb. You have to be very smart. And she is, and she was, and uh, condolences to uh, her husband. And uh, I, I, I just, yeah, it was, a, it was another sad passing, although she lived her life fully right through to the end, uh, promoting organics and, and, and doing just, like you said, I'm inspired, but I, you know, I feel it. I feel it. A loss of Suzanne Summers more than just, Oh, it's a celebrity we admired. You know, we actually knew her. Uh, so, Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up as we open the show today and uh, acknowledge, again, we've lost a lot of friends and loved ones over the years and um, many dynamic individuals that were here and are here to do extraordinary things and have done. And I'm grateful to have encountered them in this lifetime. So uh, I know we got a new guest, uh, Jason Rance, coming up in hour two. We got Marjorie Wildcraft standing by in just a few minutes. We'll bring her back in the mix. We love her as well for all that she does. She's extraordinary. And, and that's as well coming up. The Health Freedom Expo, if you guys missed it, you definitely want to join us for the virtual expo in February of 2024 when you'll be able to access all of all of the lectures and the events. Because even if you were there, you couldn't see it all because there are concurrent sessions. And it was interesting, and I don't know why this happened, Super Don. I was uh, scheduled on Sunday, excuse me, afternoon, one o'clock local time. And I was going to speak on snake venom uh, uh, pathology or, or basically hitting the homeopathic response to the controversy about snake venom, uh, whether it be real snake bites or synthetic peptides created by big pharma and injected into us through COVID vaccines or whatever exposure vector there is. And I wanted to bring up, bring about because Brian Artis was a special guest at the health freedom expo for the first time. He did a big workshop, but for some reason he was scheduled to talk on the similar topic in his perspective and way that I was doing it my way at the same time. (laughs) So I said to Brian, Brian, this is weird. I don't know why this happened. He says, well, why don't we just do it together? Oh yeah. I'm like, really? Okay. I had 51 slides. I had to get through in 45 minutes. Now I had to do it in 30 so we could each get it and I nailed it. And actually I I did it with two minutes to spare. (laughs) So it was a lot, a lot of fun to, to kind of crank it up. And, and, and bring perspectives to the folks at the L Freedom Expo that they hadn't heard before. So shout out to Brian Artis. Good job, my, my brother. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Um, those are just, those are, there's so many stories I want to share, but then I, I wouldn't have time for Marjorie and that would be good. We want Marjorie <laughs> on too. So anything going on from you, Super Don? I think the Sunday guest was fascinating. I finally got to tell the story I've been wanting to tell about the ozone infused oleozone. Uh, yeah. from sil- my chronic silver and how it healed the ears problem that I had for years. Right. And then to talk about the non-lethal, uh, not firearms, non-lethal guns, basically, the Burnham or whatever it was. They're uh, launchers. Launchers, they, yeah. Yes, they're launchers. And Pretty did, cool. I watched I, I watched several videos on people using those and doing reviews on them. Yeah. And I want one. Did you know that 
Jonathan Emord has one at home. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. He Dude, it, looked, it, looks ju- it looks just like a firearm. Look just um, like a firearm. It's very intimidating, a large yeah. barrel, and it shoots non-lethal things. Even tear gas you can shoot out to yeah. stop assailants. Let's say you can't be in it. Let's say you're in an area that doesn't allow firearms or, you know, per, even permits for carrying. And it says, no, you can't have it. You can check them in your luggage. You can carry yeah. them around with you, you know, if you want to, in your car or on but your yeah, person. The point is, it doesn't mm-hmm. fall under the Federal Firearms Act and all of that. And right. when they say, you can't conceal carry a firearm. It doesn't apply to these things. So um, go check out Sunday's broadcast. That was, uh, let's see, the 15th of uh, October, the Sunday show uh, with Jeffrey Adams. And definitely pick one of those up. Use the code RSB to get the best deal. Yep. So that was that was a cool uh, interview, although it was like we got two thirds of the way through and they shut out the lights on us in the convention hall. So I had to figure <laughs> out how to finish that after dinner that night in the hotel room. And I was practically asleep. If you guys want to watch something funny. They're like, his eyes aren't open. Was he high? No, I wasn't. high. I was just tired. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I did. All right. So first story of the day, and we'll, we'll bring in Marjorie. I know she'll comment on this as well. From our friends at The Defender, this is written by Dr. Mercola. Uh, who's behind the plot to push farmers off their land? As small and mid-sized farms close their doors, governments and corporate entities can scoop up the land. Is it all part of Agenda 2030 and the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals? And, you know, the answer is a definitive yes, in my experience and opinion. It's a war on farmers. Uh, They're targeting, of course, the smaller family farmers, mid-sized farms. And, of course, the factory farms are what's left. Uh, And, and of course, all we need are more uh, antibiotic-laden, you know, beef cattle. and, and, you know, factory farmed animals, much less genetically engineered crops, sprayed crops, et cetera. Now, this history of Agenda 2030, which it became known as after Agenda 21 for the 21st century, uh, would basically eliminate so much growth of food that we rely upon in the West and around the world in many places that you would be eating bugs and you'll be happy kind of thing. You know, like most of you go, I'll never eat bugs. Well, you you better start learning how to grow food. We've been talking about it now for a number of years. And yes, even Super Don is growing food and preserving food, doing extraordinary things at a time where I thought not to be cynical, but would Super Don ever grow food? I was, you know, I was annoying him. <laughs> and he fi- I finally annoyed him enough and he did. And some well, of it was you and Marjorie, both of you guys. Well, were yeah, and, and bring Marjorie Wildcraft into the mix here because she was part of this. <laughs> encouraging super don to actually do it and he's done it and marjorie god bless you thank you i couldn't do it alone i am super biggest fan i mean man you you have done so much i'm so happy and so proud are we having a technical difficulty can you guys hear me a little bit yeah unfortunately i know where you're connecting from it's not always super super fast but hopefully we can make it through as a backup super don can call you on the phone if need be uh, and connect you that way, but we'll see where it goes. But uh, seriously, there are to think about farmers as the enemy. I think this is all based on uh, the climate change agenda, which used to be called global cooling, then global warming. And and the more we look into it, I mean, my intuition said this was a bunch of bunk, not not the real issue, which has always been what I call global toxicology that we're polluting, that's really an issue. But the, the temperature shift, mm-hmm. that's more driven by the sun. And if they're trying to kill farmers or destroy farmers on the name of global warming, then that's just a back door to reduce the population of the planet because no one will have access or fewer people will have access to food and they'll starve to death. There's been an assault on farms for years now. And a lot of it they're doing is to regulation. In fact, 
mind. Well, in 2020, hey, when Marjorie, uh, you know oh, the scenario, on, because we're, we're getting so much, so many glitches yeah. and dropouts of your audio, that I'm going to have Super Don call you on the phone and connect you by phone, because uh, we don't get to look at your your loveliness, okay. but we'll be able to hear your lovely voice to be able to get through this interview with okay. you because it's so important the subject we're leading into uh, today. So stand by, Super Don will okay, be calling great. you on the phone, and we'll get you uh, reconnected as well. Uh, so uh, again, sorry about that, everybody, but, uh, you know, she's connecting from, I think Puerto Rico and, uh, the, the digital connection through the satellite is not always as good as I would like it to be. Uh, so if you're in the chat room and you got questions or comments, we do have at least one question of the day. And we have a comment of the day as well from someone who was at the health freedom expo. Um, let's see if I can open up my, uh, uh chat room, uh, interface as well. And Super Don has done something as well, extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary with the website I'll share with you. And it relates to the the homeopathic hits because we do have another homeopathic hit. And as I said, it relates to your eyeballs today on the Robert Scad Bell Show. So that's coming up as well. Uh, let's see if I can get this, this opened and uh, see where you guys are at. And then, yeah, there. that's not what I need. <laughs> I'll get there, my pretties. Let's see. There's what I need. It's coming up. And I've got to hit, if you see, if you hit the listen, the watch listen link on the website, you can go and get the chat room in our own website at robertscottbell.com, which I think we've just uh, transitioned over to another host. And it seems to be working well, man. So God bless Geege who helped our friend Jeffrey Smith with his website. Seems to be working well. There's my, hey, mom's there. Hi, hi, mom. Well, that was Monday. That was yesterday. She might be there today. I'm not sure. But there you are, Super Don. Here I and, am. And do, by the way, do you do you have, and if so, are you able to show the walnuts that I harvested today, this morning? Or can you not because we've got Marjorie on, on one of your lines? I can always show your nuts for you, Robert. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> this is, these are uh, from, the, well, actually everything this morning in the bowl, I think I had gotten before I went out to the Health Freedom Expo, but everything that spilled over. And these were two small trees I planted uh, a couple of years ago. And, and there's putting out some prolific fruit, if you will call it a nut a fruit. Uh, but, you know, I've had, we've had this year, we've had loads of peaches and pears and apples and um, apricots coming out our ears, so to speak. And uh, this is just another aspect of planting a little food forest as well so that you can actually utilize and, and walnuts seem to, to last for a long time. Uh, so, and I'll ask Mar Marjorie about that as well as she, she's back in on the phone or is she going to be back in on, on the uh, video now? I see I've got her on the phone here. Hold on. I also here. see her. She's got four. I know. Three. I know. She, she just wants to be everywhere all the time. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Marjorie, can you hear us? I can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we those see are a great nuts. Picture of you. So, yeah. What do you think of these walnuts uh, as far as another food source? I mean, I think they're high in omega. Uh, they have omega threes and sixes, nine, all the things and and uh, protein source as well. Just thinking about other things for getting by when food is scarce. Yeah, absolutely. Nuts are wonderful. And it's because they're, they're they are high in fat, like most nuts are somewhere about 40 to 50 percent fat fat is the most difficult thing to produce in um, you know, a backyard type farm. And then uh, the next thing after that is protein and nuts typically have anywhere from 30, 20 to 30% protein in them. And those nuts, keep them in the hull. I know pecans will stay good in the hull for you know a good eight months or so. Mm -hmm. Acorns, supposedly for a couple of years, 
And I'm not sure about, about, about walnuts, you know, because nuts, because they are so high in oil, they do eventually, you know, go rancid. Right. Um, but fan, I mean, but look at that. Look, all you got to do is take a hammer and smash it and you got food like that right. is, you know, <laughs> like that's easy. Right. And picking them up is easy. And then you can have walnut fights, too, which is also fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although you ping you with these. And it's funny. I had two plants. Uh, uh, I think the same variety uh, planted about 30 to 40 feet apart uh, in different parts mm-hmm. of the property and um partial shade a lot of sun too but depending on the time of day and one of them the walnuts got super large the other ones are decent size and it was like they're the just amazing how different they can be where you plant them on the property i was i was stunned by the significant difference in size and the one i thought would have smaller ones had larger ones and vice versa so i'm learning about this but again another aspect of planning for the future of little mini food forests that if you can make them, that's a, a another step beyond just, you know, the harvesting of things you plant yourself and grow yourself each season. You know, perennials, that's what, you know, trees are, right? Perennial food sources are fantastic. And they're like the retirement plan, you know, right? Because they are easy. You know, they take a lot of upfront, right? You got to plant it. You got to tend it for a couple of years, make sure you're irrigated, get it established, that little seedling going, and a lot of them will produce in, you know, five years on apple trees, something like that, nut trees. But then once they're going, then it's just a little bit of pruning and harvesting. So uh, it's a fantastic, you know, you absolutely want to have that component on your food production system. The problem is, is most of them do take, you know, five years to get going. And right now we don't have five years. Right. We really don't. They're starting World War III. They started World War Three, right? It's going on right now. So um, this this is the beginning of a holy war. And um, yeah, it, it's just stunning how obvious and orchestrated it, it all is when once you start to be able to see the patterns. But um, some of the things that are going to unfold from that are going to be the price of fuel going way up, which and, and the price of food going way up and less and less food availability. I mean, you know, the whole drill, um, you know, we're in it and it's it's just going to be unbelievable at how fast things change in the coming weeks even so um yeah it's definitely if you haven't been growing food and yay super done yes it's time to start right now and no matter where you are there's always something you can do even in the dead of winter so right. we need to get started we, we were going to talk today well let's talk about let's let's talk about food preservation because that's actually a great strategy sure. you can run into an abundance of food somewhere but but before let's go back to that attack on farmers because that yeah. is real. And I was starting to riff on 2015, the food chain reaction crisis. Um, well, and they and also, basically laid out. Marjorie, just as a pause, because Superdon, I, I want to acknowledge what you said as well, and that you really did have a, an impact on him to grow food. And even when we talk food preservation, we were talking about the pickles his wife made or, you know, pickled and hasn't sent me yet, just sitting there in a box. I don't know. I rate really there. Oh, my gosh. Look at those things. They're so beautiful, Super Don. But like I said, I'm so <laughs> That's proud the of you pickles. Too. That's yeah. from the cucumbers that I right? grew. And we've got a bunch of jars of the, the pasta sauce. That so you, she, this is from your tomatoes. This is from the tomatoes. It's so many tomatoes. And I've got probably about eight of these um, in the kitchen right so now. You've got that, mason jars. So that's part yeah. of what Marjorie wanted to talk about, like food preservation. In, in, in some ways, you're doing different forms than I am. Like we got a food, uh, not a dehydrator, but we call a, f- a, f- a freeze, uh, what do they call it? Freeze dryer. Freeze dryer. 
So we have preserved a lot of food through freeze drying. And Marjorie has a lot of insight and ideas as well. And and I just want to go back to the food farm as well as far as a forest. Um, I, Marjorie, what I did, I didn't plant them from seeds, but I went to nurseries, local nurseries a few years back and got some mature plants that they have in their you know buckets. And I went and you know, put them in. And so it took a year or two, but they were ready to start fruiting immediately. So that's a shortcut way. If anybody, I don't know if they have them in the fall season where you can plant them in the fall for the winter. So spring, you might get something, but just a thought like that, Marjorie is another thing to accelerate. Yeah, that's, it's actually the best time to plant fruit trees right now and let them, let them sit in the ground over the winter. They, Mm -hmm. they love that. And yeah, you know, you save yourself a few years and people are like, oh, that was $30 for that. I'm like, look, that was, that was two years. (laughs) It's totally a deal. (laughs) Money well spent. So what do you think of Superdon doing the pickling as, as one form of preservation? Yeah, I think that's totally awesome. And listen, I I can't um, take all the credit for that. My wife is the one that is (laughs) like the, I learned from her. Mm-hmm. On, on how to do this. And I guess there's like, there's more than one uh, uh, method. You can use one in a pressure cooker, um, mm-hmm. but there's also one where you can just do the water bath, which is, which is what we did, which, you know, it, it does, yeah. does, you know, similar, similar thing, but it's super easy to most, do. Yeah. Most vegetables and, and fruit type things are done in water bath canning. And the pressure canning is usually when you're doing meat and, right. and, and things like that. So, um, yeah. So I got a great story of um, it was a greenhouse tomato operation that was getting started. And, uh, you know, when you're starting a new business, sometimes you have a whole bunch of inventory and no sales, or sometimes you have a bunch of people that want stuff and you don't have, you know, there's kind of a mismatch until you can get it up and going. And um, Jason, who was running it, said, Hey, Marjorie, um, uh, if I brought you a whole trailer full of tomatoes, would you be able to do something with them? We're, we kind of have this like abundance. I said, Give me five minutes. And I call up a couple of other families. I'm like, yep, bring them on, you know, and you know, everybody's, you know, a couple of cases, you know, everybody's bringing their cases and mason jars and somebody had the canner and we went over to the Knox's kitchen because they actually had a dishwasher in a big space. And I mean, it was three of us and we all got together. And when you got tired of peeling or chopping, you could pass the baby around. The kids were playing hide and go seek and all the grownups were catching up on gossip and Everybody left with like three or two, 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 four cases of uh, tomato sauce. And uh, it was it was just the most wonderful day, you know, just hanging out together, doing meaningful work and spending time with people, you you know, and like. Uh, and so those kind of opportunities do show up. And now it's in the fall. And often there is an abundance of stuff at your farmer's markets. Um, or if you can just go to a farmer and say, hey, you know, I'm just looking to buy some stuff in bulk. I don't care if it's ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great way to like, you know, fill your pantry with really high quality stuff. Canning, I always find with canning, uh, I really like doing it with other people. For me to do it alone, um, it's a little bit like, nah, you know, it's kind of repetitive. Yes. Uh, but um, getting a group of friends together just really make uh, make that work so much more fun. You shouldn't be intimidated by it. And I really recommend like what Super Don for your first round is is do something with water bath canning because that's really super simple and super safe. It's it's very easy to do. Well, and it's cool that he did, you know, so this abundance of tomatoes he had this year and uh, he and his wife converted them in tomato sauce, right? And you know how much organic tomato sauce is nowadays. I mean, it's good and delicious, but man, it's amazing if you can have your own. Uh, and and serve it up and that that even could be barter right for people that love tomato sauce you know over the winter or, or coming months uh with things that you might have that someone else might have and that you you know this is how you have it you you kind of 
as like we talked about printing your own money, you know, a little tongue in cheek saying that, but really having something as valuable as food when people don't have easy access to it, much less affordability, you now have an ability to trade for things that you might need that they have. So, and maybe they didn't do food, but you did. So it's a wonderful way to make it through some of the tough times ahead. Yeah, the unit of currency in the future, uh, in the not so distant future, will be the calorie. <laughs> really, you know, I know we're we're all used to so cheap and abundant food. Actually, it's not really food, but yeah, it will be the calorie. Uh, and yeah, oh my goodness, I would never trade my tomato salsa because it's so much better <laughs> than even the best organic stuff. It's like mm. buy the best organic stuff to use as a trade item, but eat your own tomato sauce. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That is very cool. Yeah. So other other forms of preservation that are easy to yeah, and by the way, remind people we have the, the the website still set up to make it easy for you to remember RSB food, rsbfood.com will get you there. Uh, of course, Marjorie Wildcraft mm-hmm. has the Grow Network, but however you get there, we'd love to get you there and learn about the things Marjorie has been teaching for a long time. Yeah, let's uh yeah, let's talk about freezing. Uh, because, you know, a freezer uh, is is a great thing. I, I actually, what I like to do is get those little smaller ones, like a four or five cubic foot freezer and have two or three of them. Okay. Rather than one big one. Yeah. And uh, people are like, oh my God, what if the air condition? What if that? What if the electric's out? I'm like, no, no. I live in Puerto Rico. The electric goes out every other day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, have the thing full, right? And if you don't have a lot of meat or whatever you're putting in that freezer, then just grab some jugs of gallons of water, you know, have your freezer always full. Um, and, and, you know, as you, as you find meat or valuable things to put in there, you know, take out the gallon of water, but with that much frozen stuff in there, uh, you know, just throw some blankets over it. It'll be fine for almost even up to a week, honestly. Yeah. It maintains um, it when you got you know, it loaded up to the top, even when the power goes out, it's kind of freeze keeping itself cool at that point. It will. Yeah. And especially, yeah, and especially throw some blankets on it because it will, you know, it's in its own little segment. Of thing. And the reason I like the, you know, the four or five cubic foot size, the smaller ones is like, I never could organize my stuff with the dates and the whole thing, which right. I knew I should, but I'm just yeah. not that person. So what I do is I'll fill up one freezer full of stuff and then I'll start filling up the next freezer and I'll eat out of the one freezer that I just filled up. So that's how I do it. I'm like, this is the freezer I'm eating from and this is the freezer I'm storing with, right? Uh, so that's how I organize it. <laughs> it's like, that's the best level of organization I can come at. But it's also the other thing of, you know, if one freezer goes out or whatever, you know, at least you haven't lost the whole thing. You've got, you've got actually, I have three of them and at least you've you know got some some redundancy in your systems. They're right. making those things so efficient now too. A little solar panel and a battery, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, they it's don't another backup. as much electricity as they did in the 1950s. Let's just say that they become a lot more efficient. Uh, and and I know you know we have one of those I guess chest freezers. It's it's not it's more of a square, uh, not one of those big, mm-hmm. big rectangles. But still, going through those little ones to get at what you want when you've got it loaded up, it's a challenge. Uh, so having smaller ones is even, you know, better for accessibility. Also, when you're when you w- with your freezers, you know, what do you put in there? What do you put in there? Again, you know, go back to the principle that fat and protein are the most difficult things to produce and they're the most valuable things. Like how much is a pound of butter right now? You know, it's it's 
you know, depending on what quality butter it is, it's somewhere between eight and ten dollars a pound. Um, you know, uh, a pound of meat, uh, good quality meat, that's getting pretty close to that also. But to create fat, is, well, I can actually tell you a story that that's really uh, good. So there, there, these were when back when we still had uh, Indians in in America, and they were getting run off everywhere. And they got this one group was up near Canada on in the western states, and um, they they were under all kinds of pressure from the white people moving in, and they had to move off their land. And they're moving it actually into another territory. It's winter time. They're moving into another territory as another Indian tribe. And a couple of the braves there had uh, killed, I don't know, uh, elk or deer or some big animal. And but the other the other tribe is coming at them and going to kill them because you know they're in their territory eating their food. And they only have a minute. And they you know they cut the animal open. They only have a minute to choose something, and then they got to run right. So they got the organ meat. They got some flesh. What they grabbed was the fat, because mm-hmm. the fat is the most calorically dense, nutrient dense. You know, it's just that's what they grabbed, because that is the most value. That's the most highly valued thing. It's the most difficult uh, thing to produce. Maybe another story I can tell you real quick is I was in Texas during the uh, whew, we had this great drought from 2008 to 2012, which culminated in the biggest fire, the Bastrop Complex fires that ever happened in the United States because we had the worst drought, right? Anyway, I, I had decided I'd run into this uh, somewhere around 2011, and kind of north, near the end of the drought. But I was I'd heard about pemmican, and they said you had to take you know beef fat, and then you take dried beef and you pound it, mash it all together with a little bit of fruit, and it'll store. And I really wanted to try that, and so I went to the guy that I'm buying my you know we'd buy a, we'd buy a beef or a half a beef at a time because I was feeding my kids in the neighborhood. Um, and I went to Matt Buddy, his name was. Hey, Buddy, uh, I need uh, I need to get some fat next time we place an order. You know, I'm gonna get we're gonna get a half a beef. Can I? I need to get. He said, Marjorie, there ain't no cows with any fat on them anywhere in this state. <laughs> you know, we were in a drought, right? They were. There's just you know, it's hard times. You no, know, everybody loses weight, right? And mm-hmm. there's no fat. It's that is the most precious. So getting tying it back to your freezer. You know, fill up your freezer with, uh, you know, butter or lard or, uh, you know, protein, uh, animal stuff. That's going to be your most precious stuff. So that's what you want to put in the freezer. You know, don't necessarily fill your freezer up with pasta or something like that. Right. So, um, yeah. So that's my my wisdom. Uh, the other thing, I do store uh, bone broths in it. And if I have to store something liquid, I often put it in my quart size jars and I'll lay the jar on its side so it's horizontal so that the air pocket is along the bottom, the, along the full length of the bottle. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really helps to prevent, um, you know, cracking or breakage in it because that, you know, when some water expands when it freezes. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, you mentioned the pemmican. So I, and I just want to tell everybody there is a, a thing called the carnivore bar, a nice a family that we met through Taryn Gregson that are producing that on grass-fed animals, uh, very clean, and they have a, a coupon code. They recently had, were able to uh, produce more and lowered the price a bit, and you can use the coupon code RSB10 to get 10% off at the carno, uh, Carnivore Bar, and it's carnivorebar.com. Uh, and, you know, talking about what you have, if you have the ability to invest in a little of this, uh, even though now it doesn't fit the taste buds of the average American, to do that kind of high fat, high protein kind of thing. People are like, wait, where's the sugar? <laughs> Where are the carbs? <laughs> but, but- Your internet glitched, Robert. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was worried it was me. <laughs> I was sitting there pushing <laughs> buttons like, how do I get my microphone back on? Yeah. I'm just going to so do totally missed what, like, what, miss what that last sentence there. That you yeah, it was about the, uh, the, the need for, as, as Marjorie said so well, the fat and the protein. And, and yet we are so used to, you know, I know when Super Don had the bar or anybody that's tried it, if you haven't been growing up on a farm, you bite into these carnivore bars and you're like, wait a second, that's just not something I'm used to because we've moved so it was, far away from real Yeah, food. it was a little bit shocking. Yeah. Um, because you know it's like this is what it looks like the the bars yeah. themselves in the wrapper here, um, and but it's life sustaining at that well, point. Yeah, because I, I mean, look, you read the box and the carnivore bar. It's it's honey salted uh, uh, flavor, and it's it's grass finished beef. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does say tallow, but I'm I'm like I don't know what I mean. I kind of remember what tallow is. Uh, you know, whatever. Well, well tallow is is. Is uh, so if you take the fat from a cow mm-hmm. and you heat it up and you basically kind of get the water out of it, then it turns into just basically more like pure fat, and that's tallow. Mm-hmm. So it comes from beef. It's sort of like pork. Uh, you know, when you render the pork uh, fat down, um, you know, then it becomes. Um, oh man, now my brain is. Uh, <laughs> uh, then it then it becomes pork fat, which is much more like you can't store fat from the animal directly because it has too much moisture in it, right. and it would you know it would go bad very quickly. But when you you basically cook it down and you basically get the water out of it, then it becomes pure fat, and you can store that for a long time. And let's see, beef is called tallow, and pork is called. Pork fat. There's actually a name for it. And I can't remember so, now. But, so uh, the experience that I had with this, though, is I, you know, I'm like, mmm, beef, right? So I unwrap this thing, like, mmm, take a big giant bite out of it. I'm just like, what is this? Mouthfeel is radically different. Oh, it's so that. different. And so I did some reading, you know, on it. And and the, the, the cool thing about this, this is survival food. It really is because there's it's it's it requires no refrigeration, and it can last like twenty five years sitting on your shelf on your on your on your pantry shelf, right? And and so I, for me, this becomes more of rather than just something I pick up and just munch on, it becomes an ingredient mm-hmm. that I can put into other things uh, because the, the it's it's high in calorie, high in protein, high in fat. Which are, you know, if you find yourself in a survival situation, that's what you want. That's what you need that in is, order to survive. And, and that's what they, when they, when they had to do, you know, long trips, that's what the Indians would take would be that, that pemmican. Right. And, it, and it did store. And I, I wanted to try that out. I wanted to see how long it would store for us. What's the name of that site again? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy some. And the code is RSB. Yep. It's, if you go to our website, robertscottbell.com, over on the right-hand side, there's a big banner, and it's called the Carnivore Bar. And if you use the RSB okay. uh, coupon code, you get 10% off. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order some of those. That was what I was trying to make. And there was like yeah. no fat. Yeah, in they've got three anymore. different They're flavors. Like, no. Three different flavors you can choose yeah. from. Um, zesty garlic, honey barbecue, and something salted. Yeah, but they honey. aren't yeah. like when you hear those. No, but, and that's why it got me. That's why yeah. it got me because I'm like, ooh, honey yeah. barbecue. No, yeah. this doesn't taste like honey barbecue, but... It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a purpose of food, right? It's yeah. one of those things where it's like, you don't pop it in your mouth, like, hmm, snap into a Slim Jim. You know, <laughs> that's not what you, what you, what you got going on there, but it's, it's smart. And like I said, what, yeah. what's been you on my you mind. Break it, 
What's that? Break it into chunks and throw yeah. in some vegetables and absolutely, make it's with an it. ingredient. Like, it's yeah. it's a high quality yeah. ingredient. It, it and it is a, a survival food. Yeah. Which if you're looking for something that's going to keep you alive, uh, you know, in in a, in a situation, this is definitely going to be one of those things you want to have in your in your supplies. And, and Marjorie, to your point, with what's happening in the Middle East after Ukraine and. I mean, there are agendas at a globalist perspective that if they couldn't get it us to volunteer into them, they use war as a way to get that to happen. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sad and unfortunate as it is, uh, the average folks on there, including us, I and mean, we're not in control of the foreign policy. I mean, we'd like to see things better and, and bring things more local and teach people how important it is to go back to what's really important as to what, as opposed to what they, they've been programmed to believe is important. And, and we get through this much better. There are still areas of, of the country where people are, have come back to their sanity and are trying actively to engage and create these communities that, that do grow things and are aware of the things we talk about. And I would say if you have the ability to gravitate toward those places, you'll be much better shaped as, as time progresses here with what's seemingly inevitable. I wish I wouldn't say it that way, but like I said, I, I don't have the ability to snap my fingers and stop all this nonsense. So we've got to do our best at our local levels. Exactly. You know, do the best you can be aware of what's going on. But the programming, I, I really would love to harp on that for just a minute. Because it is program. I was watching some, always oh, a short Netflix series that a friend recommended. And there they had this pork farmer and they portrayed him as kind of being a little bit of a dummy. And I'm like, there it is again, you know, or. You know, they just through our media through for decades, they have made it look like growing food is hard work. Uh, only really poor people do it. Uh, you know, it's not meaningful. Only stupid people are farmers. You know, I mean, this is what is portrayed and it's pushed out the way the way they're running that whole trans thing or the way they run all of these uh, psyops. And, and they've been really intentionally doing that and i keep seeing it over and over again in the movies or the media or something and it it's nothing to be further than from the truth it's just they don't want you to grow food because there's going to be some independence you'll be smarter mm-hmm. it's actually there's a ton of studies on kids that show that when they eat higher quality nutrient-dense food they score higher on tests and uh uh they're more intelligent um Definitely. you know Mercedes in the chat room says she's going to lime two dozen eggs tomorrow. I'm not familiar with that. I've heard of it, but what do you know about liming something? Or I don't. Yeah, somebody brought this up on a podcast I did the other day, and I haven't tried that yet. I got to do that. I've heard about that. Yeah, liming eggs. I've seen this. This is something that yeah. intrigued me, but it's basically they put lime and water uh, into a jar, and you can actually preserve eggs for, like, years are you uh, like preserving hard boiled eggs in their shell or I, I don't I think know. it's I I honestly I, I it's one of those things I it's so weird to me. I'm just like I haven't even like I mean like yeah, what do you get a ten year old egg? You can we need to get Mercedes wanna, on the phone on the phone. But it's a thing. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a thing. Farm fresh, not I'm, washed, I'm willing, says her. I'm willing to bet it's kinda like pickling because you know, limes are super acidic and it would be like, you know, well is this vinegar, actual like, like L I M E or L Y M E? Well, she said it's written L-I-M-E. L-I-M-E. Okay. All right. It's in. But so again, lime is water. It, is it, there's lime powder too. I mean, I, I, so I don't know. Again, we, we're, we're stumping the band yeah. here, Mercedes. That's great. Now, lime, yeah, lime is, is, is also would make it basic because they use that to nixtamalize corn. Yeah. Right. There yeah. are a ton of ways. So, you know, but, so drop freezing is like the easiest, right? Like, and I love freezing for a lot of harvest stuff because you just, 
plop it in the bag and put it in the freezer. Right? <laughs> it doesn't require, you know, a lot of stuff. And we've, we've gone over canning. Uh, drying is also another really, uh, I love the Excalibur food dehydrator if you want to get a, a dryer, and I use it. I've used that thing for 20 years now. I love that thing. And that's like a low uh, I love it over time. It's not a freeze dryer. It's just a food dehydrator. No, yeah, well, I had a freeze dryer for a while, and if you want to get one, by the way, that, that Harvest Bright has the best freeze dryers, buy the large one, because yep. there's no sense in having a small one, um, but I, I uh, and it's fantastic, I mean, you put herbs in there, and then freeze dry them, and they look amazing, and they last forever, it's incredible, and then, of course, you know, the shelf life of your food is, you, you know, easily 20 years, right, if it's, you know, stored properly, the thing is with the freeze dryers is they require a lot of electricity mm -hmm. um, and you don't, it's a surprisingly small amount that you get from it. And um, I thought, well, now when times are good, I actually did freeze dry a whole bunch of stuff when I lived in Colorado. I had this whole yeah. fruit orchard and I freeze dried apples and I freeze dried yeah, cherries and now. apricots yes. and yeah. Oh and man, it, and I I've got a huge store of it that I moved here to Puerto Rico of this freeze dried fruit, and I'm so glad. But I'm you know, electricity is still cheap, so yeah, you know it's a yeah. great strategy now. When electricity starts going up, that's going to become a very very expensive um, way to preserve food. Right. Well, uh, so I'm, I'm not freeze dried yeah. food, and th there are companies that are selling freeze dried organic foods. It's very expensive, but to your point. It's a, it's a very energy intensive uh, uh, technology. Uh, you know, I, I, we have the harvest, right? With the one, and I change the oil every time I use it. I, I, I recycle the oil. In fact, I filter it and rechange it. So I'm, it's really been mm -hmm. problem free. I've heard people that get the oil free uh, pump and, I, and they have problems all of the time. So it's worth a little effort to change the oil all of the time to keep it running right. And so uh, we, we're doing oh. that really well. Yeah. Yeah, I've had I've had both and it it seemed it seemed like it worked well either way. But but again, I, I ended up um, selling it just because it was it was, um, you know, it just seemed like after I, well, I processed a whole bunch. I said, OK, I got I got enough fruit to last me a couple of years. <laughs> I'll be popular with the kids for a while. Uh, and then I, I sold it. It's just such an electricity hog. Um, but drying fruits uh, or drying vegetables. Um, I really especially like to dry things like squashes or um, uh, carrots or you know stuff that you you can you can easily toss them into a stew and they'll like rehydrate with the broth that you got going on. Um, so I, I do like that. I also like I like that Excalibur because you can do a low level of a temperature. So that way, if you're concerned about trying to protect the enzymes for raw foods type right. things, and it yeah. and it is really delicious to. Yeah, it's real delicious to make those like flaxseed crackers or chia seed crackers out of that. They're just really delicious. So, um, and, and for herbs, right? Um, there's a lot of herbs. I just want to have the dried, you know, comfrey, nettles, uh, you know, oats. I use the I use the dryer a lot for uh, more of my herbs mm -hmm. uh, than vegetables, so sure. to speak. But. And we do a lot of and that's actually, drying some herbs like, you know, we've got the comfrey that's going to be, we want to harvest before the first hard freeze. And uh, we do a lot of that, just sun drying that and then, um, you know, jarring it up. But uh, uh, there's a lot of creative ways to do it. Uh, Laura says I, she has food in her harvest right right now. So, yeah, there are people out there doing this stuff. I love it. 
By the way, um, I use the Excalibur, and it, it is, you know, it's an electrical device. But for years, I had, uh, there's plans, and it's from Appalachian State University, and it is a sun, it's a solar uh, food dryer, mm-hmm. um, and you, you have a, a cabinet with shelves up top where you're putting the food on, on racks with screening, and then slanted up to it is a, is a you know, a collector with, you know, a black um, back and then a clear front and and that black will heat up that air and then it'll move up through the through the racks the drying racks and that thing worked really 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 well I have to say that worked really well and I I was a little concerned uh, Texas we could go anywhere from completely dry to completely wet um, but this thing also worked really well in uh, Appalachia which is a pretty wet environment. Um, and it, it, it really did work well. The plans, I think, are for free on the Internet. I uh, just recommend looking looking that up. And that's that's really a nice uh, thing to build. And it takes a little bit of carpentry skill. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely worthwhile because it's, you know, again, there's no electricity involved in it. And you've got this great dry, uh, drying uh, situation. So um, drying is another real good, uh, another good option. Marjorie, we have in the show notes today, uh, it says free for 72 hours. Sounds like one of the things we've talked about before. Is that true? The how to grow lots of food in a grid down situation, even if you have no experience or older and out of shape. Now I can't say even if you're super Don because he's so skilled now, but uh, this is available <laughs> right now for free. Yes. Yes, it is. And uh, I go into a whole uh, webinar in detail on that. Exactly. And I show you how to grow a lot of food in a grid down situation, even if you have no experience, you're older, you're out of shape. I was really geared toward people that, you know, can't, uh, can't, don't, don't have a lot of mobility. And of course, if you do, then you're lucky and you can do a lot more, but um, it's really set up for just the crisis that we're about to head into. I had to laugh because Don, Super Don was like, I thought she made that commercial for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you did, it worked. I did. I I just been so happy that you're doing it. So Don, when are you going to get the chickens? (laughs) Oh man. The dogs are going to eat the chickens if you got them, right? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. That's taking it to the, to the next level. Cause then I have to actually, I have to, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I'm kind of a wuss, you know, it's one of those things where I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I've, I've speculated that should we end up in some kind of grid down situation, I probably would become a vegetarian uh, or somebody else would have to do the killing of the animals for me because I'll eat them, man. Give me a good steak, man. Any, any, any day of the week. Uh, but I don't know that I'd want to be the one killing and, and like slaughtering and, you know, and okay, harder. okay. Let's let's yeah. let's address all of that right now. So let's say there are, there's three points we need to address here. So first mm-hmm. off, with the chickens, you're not really going to be eating the chicken. What you're raising them for is the eggs. Is the eggs okay? All right. Is yeah. the eggs? Okay. Yeah, and they produce a lot of eggs. So a laying hen typically 250 eggs a year. They do need to take some time off to molt in the. Uh, that's when they change out their feathers. Uh, and then, of course, when it gets real cold or real hot, they're miserable and they're not going to lay eggs. But 250 eggs a year is a lot. And six laying hens, that's going to be 1,500 eggs a year, which means three egg omelets for you every day of the year and then 33 dozen eggs to, to give away or share. Um, 
chickens, uh, people go, oh, you know, we'll raise chickens for meat. And I'm like, no, you won't. Um, <laughs> chickens are omnivores. And uh, they like to eat a lot of what we like to eat. And now my family and I, we did for many years. We'd buy, you know, 100 chicks, raise them up to, you know, takes two, three months to raise them up to weight. And then you butcher them. And then we've got them in the freezer for the whole year. And it was a really fun project. We would spend a huge amount of money in feed because, you know, feeding 100 chickens, you're going to the feed store, right? <laughs> it's just a fact of life. And the feed store is not going to be open when the grocery stores close. So uh, they're omnivores. So the, the best uh, things for meat are going to be herbivores, which that's one of the reasons I love rabbits so much is because they'll take things like grass trimmings or when you're uh, pruning your fruit scenes in the, in the winter, they'll, they love to eat the bark and, you know, they eat things that we wouldn't eat and they turn it into protein and fat. Um, See, if it were me though, I'd end up naming the rabbits and I could never eat them. I, I love my rabbits and um, <laughs> I know it's a hard thing, but that's the other thing is you don't have to do it. Right. I mean, there, um, there are lots of other people that can, you can work this out. You know, let's say you can raise a dozen rabbits, you know um, I'm sure, you know, a fisherman or a hunter or somebody and say, Hey, look, if you can process these, you can keep two of them or, you know, you work out some relationship like that or, um, but, but you know, the there are butchering facilities. You know, the egg perspective means you have a reasonable number of chickens, not dozens of chickens that you have to feed all of the time. So it may be more cost effective and um, they they can eat a lot of different things as well and still produce those eggs. That's that's exactly it. If you have a small number of chickens, you're going it's the it's the, it, you can feed them. Uh, and, you know, if you do have to buy a little grain, you can. But there are they'll eat scraps. Uh, you can figure out how to raise insects to feed them. You know, if you just got a small amount of chickens, it is very possible to to feed them without the 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 uh, feed store being open. And the egg the eggs are just this incredible, complete food. It's just an incredible source of nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, and I honestly, when I started all of this, I was a raw vegan, right? I was like, okay, we're going to have fruit and and raw vegetables and. And, uh, and, and and that that was not going to happen, man. That is animal products are the most efficient way to produce a lot of calories uh, in a small amount of space. And uh, I do not know why this universe is structured that we, we have to kill other things to eat them. Um, and, you know, I've spent a lot of time looking at diet and trying. No, I've tried every do I, I've been on more do diets than Oprah. I promise you. Like, I mean, I've been involved in diets and nutrition. I've a few too. And you need. Yeah. Just to figure out what works. You need to eat meat. Yeah. You need animal products. You really do. And I, you know, I know we're going to piss off some well, the vegans. vegans My sister's a right diehard. Now, Marjorie, but you know that we can't deal with them. They're angry. Now, those that aren't angry, we love you. We love even the ones that are angry. But the point is we're talking about survival uh, you know, reality now that you can't go get, you know, a, a jar of tofu at the at the store. What are you going to do? Uh, so if you check it out, the easy link we've made set up for you and it'll get right to where or you can go to the website, robertscottbell.com and take it right there with the link or just go to rsbfood.com. Please sign on for free to watch the how to grow lots of food in a grid down situation, even if you have no experience or older and out of shape. And uh, Marjorie, you're always doing such amazing work. We appreciate you here so much. It's so much fun to hang out with you and look at the inspiration you've been to Super Don. 
Yeah, well, I, I want to see Don getting his chickens next. That's actually a great activity you can do now that, like, the gardens are winding down. You build the chicken coop. I will have to see chickens. what my landlord says about that. But yeah. it's it's an interesting idea. I, I, like I said, the biggest, the biggest uh, uh, thing for me is is probably, the, the, I mean, how much time does it take to, to, to raise chickens? I mean, how much is involved as, as far as time goes on a daily basis? It's, it's actually going to be less time than your garden. Okay. You know, really, well, then that you know, in the, could be done. You know, in, in the in morning, a, you're checking their water, you're checking their feed, yeah. you're grabbing some so, eggs. You so know, who's going to get chickens? Healthy. Who's going to get chickens first, uh, me or Robert? That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's a good question. We got to race for that. <laughs> <laughs> do it now because, you know, the price of a good laying hen in 2020. How do you keep them from freezing pandemic. to death when in, in a place where I live? I, I live, uh, you know, 4,000 feet up in the Pacific Northwest. So what do you got to do to keep them from freezing to death? You know, just have them in a nice shed with some insulation, you know. Um, um, I, I generally don't recommend people doing something electric to keep them warm. Mm. But if you and then also choose a breed that does do well in colder weather. Okay. So a real quick way to visually know that is uh, the breeds that do well in the heat have those big waddles and combs, right? There's all that fleshy red stuff on the bottom and the top. Okay. That's actually meant to dissipate heat. And those kind of chickens are going to be really good in the South. Also, they tend to be scrawnier and smaller are the ones that do best in the South. And the ones that do best in the North are going to be a little plumper, have a little more featherage, definitely much smaller little plumes and waddles. And um, uh, some of them even have feathers all over their legs. Um, but yeah, just put them in a nice shed where, where you've got, a, you know, you got it insulated pretty nicely and, um, they'll, they'll do fine. I, I, I take was up in Colorado with property and convert it rather than having to build a special chicken coop. You can convert it just a regular shed. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, I got to think about this now, Marjorie, more stuff. We keep trying to do better each time as we get closer and closer to what we, we wish wasn't seemingly inevitable, but with all the stuff going on around the planet right now, uh, it seems like they're intent on making it harder and harder for people to get food. And the only food they want them to eat are bugs. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a chicken. So uh, we got to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Marjorie. All righty, guys. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And, um, yeah, I'd love to see folks at the webinar. And we'll, we'll, we'll get you sorted out because you're going to need it. <laughs> yes, please sign up for it, rsbfood.com, or just go to the link directly at robertscabell.com. Marjorie Wildcraft, big hugs to you, my friend. So great to have you on anytime we can. Thank you again, Robert. Bye, Don. I'm, I'm super stoked about both of you. So we'll, right. we'll check in in a month or two. We'll see how it's going. Sounds good. All right. Sounds great. All right. We're at the top of the hour. We're going to take a pause here. I've got some uh, a question and a comment of the day. And we have a second, a second hour guest, first time guest, Jason Rant's going to be scheduled to join us as well. There's a homeopathic hit of the day related to your eye, eyes, uh, eye health. And uh, we actually got to talk about animals uh, that you might want to not eat. Not because they're not tasty. If you feel like <laughs> it's just a different reason, I'll get to that, especially when it's a factory farm for fast food. So stick around for that and a whole lot more on the Robert Scad Bell Show, robertscadbell.com, where the power to heal is yours. Scott Bell Show. 
All right. If you haven't switched over to a, a more natural diet, what do I mean by that? Uh, yes. Organic quality, non-factory farmed animals. If you, you know, eat meat, as we talked about last hour with Marjorie Wildcraft, uh, you're going to go, why, why I've been waiting to do this after we get the first story of this hour coming up on the Robert Scabell show. So check it out at robertscabell.com. Uh, this hour, also Jason Rants for the first time on the show. We got a lot to talk about, including his book, What's Killing America from the Inside, The Radical Left's uh, Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. Uh, that's coming up. We have a question of the day, comment of the day, want to hit, and the homeopathic hit of the day related to your eyes. So that's all happening. Now, Super Don, I uh, sent you a picture because, uh, you know, I got back in town and went to the gym this morning finally because yesterday was a uh, uh, travel day. Found out I had won the challenge of the week last week. I did not know that. But, uh, uh, you know, the old guy still has something left to give, <laughs> something left to put out at the gym, kicking some butt, taking names. And no, I don't win every week. But good Lord, at 57, you win once a year. That's pretty good, considering you got 20-somethings and 30-somethings also in the gym. So uh, that was fun. And uh, there I am today with the championship belt on. And uh, we had done that video, and you showed it a, a week or two ago, and I was just like, always humbled and blown away if anytime Layla Ali comments and she did on that last one, I was doing good defense. So uh, under no illusion that I could get in the ring with anybody and beat them up. That's not my point. Uh, saying to this, you totally could totally. Could. No, I, I'm just loving that. I can be in, in good shape at this age. And considering that the first 24 years of my life, I was chronically ill, even though I willed myself to do things, you know, you know, in terms of sports and things like that, it doesn't, it didn't mean I was an invalid, but uh, certainly, I had an anchor around me with chronic diseases all all my young life, and it just still drives me to this day to do what I do. And and I know for some that say, "Hi, how do you do what you do, Robert?" I'm like, "Look, if you had been sick like I was, it might be easier for you to go. Let's say sit around and do nothing or work out." <laughs> and you might go, "I remember what happened then. I'll do it because I don't want to feel that way again." Some people are waiting for it to happen before they make those maneuvers happen in their life. I'm just encouraging you. I'm not going to beat you up. I'm not going to hate you if you don't. I'm still going to be here for you to encourage you. Uh, but uh, please, if you can, don't wait until you're, you know, rife with problems to try and undo them. It can be done, but it's a lot harder than doing things before you have those issues arise. So um, anyway, I just wanted to add that into the mix here. Do we do the comment of the day or question of the day first this hour so we can catch up with things? Well, I kind of have it as kind of a two for one, but let me just kind of zoom in on the uh, comment of the comment. day first. Okay. Um, I'm not going to play the music. We'll just do the thing. Here. That's fine. This go. is from Lori in Minnesota. Robert, it was great to see you again at the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. Too bad we didn't have our buddies, Tracy and Judy, to hang out with. That's right. Tracy Straup and Judy Mikevitz, unfortunately, weren't there. Definitely missed them. Uh, she says, I forgot to ask you if you'd brought your DMG. I was taking mine. I could have shared it if you were out. Well, absolutely. I had my Enter DMG from Nutritional Frontiers. And if you haven't gotten yours, just go to uh, nutritionalfrontiers.com, enter the code RSB15 to get 15% off. And from time to time when it goes on sale, you can double dip. But I am always traveling with my DMG, dimethylglycine. That's thanks to Judy Mikevitz introducing me to that and Nutritional Frontiers for making it available. And that helps to counteract the inadvertent exposure that you have in this world to glyphosate and other things. And it's more than that, but that's significant. So thank you for that, Lori. Where else does this uh, comment go? Uh, thanks for representing Sovereign Silver and Copper. 
the shots were appreciated. Yeah, we were pouring shots all weekend. Everybody was some self-service bar tap tabs going on for free. <laughs> Do you know uh, that there are pictures of you and Ty Bollinger from exactly 10 years ago at that same conference in his book, Cancer Step Outside the Box? You both look, look the same. I don't know. I think Ty has lost some weight and is even more ripped. And yeah, I, I'm a little bigger, I think. I like to think I am. Well, uh, I want to know where are the pictures? You're going to tease us here that there are pictures, but where where, where are the pictures? She, pictures? she says it's in the book, Cancer Step Outside the Box. Oh, gotcha. Can you read the rest of it? I'll go grab the book and see if I can find um, it. Yeah, okay. And his book, Cancer Step Outside the Box, you both look the same. Take care and keep up the good work spreading the word about health freedom and for working on behalf of Jonathan Emord, your friend in health freedom, uh, from Minnesota, Lori. Yes. And Jonathan right. was doing great this weekend. We had a great time. And with uh, Paul Bertero, my buddy from Echo, you guys can get the Echo Water too and the Echo Go and all of those things. Uh, Paul was there and helped out with Jonathan and we raised some some money for his campaign. And I, th- I want to thank everybody who generously donated uh, to uh, emord4va.com. And you can do that as well. What do I have here? Oh, I have a picture on page 288, this is one with me and uh, Ty, and it looks like Chris Wark. I'm going to hold it up. It's black and white. Can you see that? Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, and that was 10 years ago at least, 2013. Yeah, 10 years ago. And maybe that was the one she's talking about. Uh, but, yeah, we my hair was a little bit more brown. Ty looks pretty much the same. And Chris Wark uh, looks pretty good, too. I saw him a few weeks ago at the Healing Strong Conference. Some of those pictures have come out now. Um, there are some good ones from Healing Strong. I really enjoyed that one. So anyway, that's Cancer Step Outside the Box by Ty Bollinger. Helped a lot of people, including, I believe, uh, Suzanne Summers. You know, has talked about truth about cancer and everything as well. Uh, so, all right, let's go to the question of the day after the comment of the day. And thank you, Lori, for the comment of the day. Where is that question hiding? There it is. Hi, guys. This is from Bill. I heard a nutritionist say that protein, proteins and carbs should not be eaten at the same time. I also heard a different nutritionist say that a protein should be eaten at every meal. What say you, Bill? Okay. Well, there, there's a concept of, of uh, what they call food combining. Have you ever heard of that? I mean, it's been a lot, while since I've talked about it, but there are those that are arguing that you must eat you know, the fat separate from the protein, separate from the carbs. Uh, and I can only say that if your digestive system is that weak, maybe, maybe, just maybe it would be helpful to you to do that. But in a real life scenario, when you eat food, it often contains protein and fat or maybe carbohydrates and protein or carb. You know, these things in the natural world, if you look at it, I'm not talking about refined and processed foods. Now I'm talking about food from the re- the, the real world. You have nuts that have fat and protein, for instance, uh, and some level of carbohydrates. So it isn't that in nature, nature separates it out in isolation for you. So how do we expect or reasonably say that in order to survive, we must separate these things out in our, uh, you know, uh, eating habits? Now, I, I acknowledge that there are people that have very weak digestive processes and that could be helped by this food combining concept. But ultimately, the ideal would be you eat what you eat of organic, clean quality, and your body knows exactly what to do with it. You know, like the stomach can sh- can change shape as you eat certain things. 
to kind of bring those things into an area of the stomach while other things might not need to spend much time there and move on by into the small intestine. But that is granting an intelligence uh, to creation that uh, you're not granting, you're acknowledging at that point and go, well, you know, I can eat, put it all in, my body knows what to do with it. Or is as you get older and you're not producing as much as the enzymes or if the food is not as alive as you think it should be, you can easily supplement with enzymes or even for those that are not producing enough HCL from an external source, you can take HCL supplements with high protein, you know, type meals to help break down in the stomach. Ideally, you'd be producing enough. And I would recommend that you reach out to Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com and get on the Alta Health Products Can Jest. That's the powder that you, you take a level teaspoon, not a little teeny tiny little thing, but a level teaspoon of the Canjest powder activated in warm water three, maybe even four times a day to normalize or optimize production of things like stomach acid or, you know, very, various uh, activities of the small intestine, the large intestine, even the liver, the gallbladder. All of these things are impacted positively with the Canjest formula. And, th- and that would be something that uh, could could maybe... Uh, reduce the need for this concept of food combining or separating out food. If you like, if you eat a meal with a lot of different things and you're like, Oh, I can't, I'm not doing well. That could be again, more indicated of a digestive uh, deficiency than it is that it's wrong to combine certain foods. Again, I'm not talking of a organic quality, not refined garbage factory farm food. All bets are off. How do you even know, even if you uh, combine them right, if they if they got synthetic toxic poisons and glyphosate and on and on, that can create an upset environment as well as you destroy glyphosate infested foods, destroy the integrity of the lining of the gut and also act as an antibiotic. And speaking of antibiotics and other things in factory farmed uh, uh, foods, uh, we have this story from The Defender written by Suzanne Burdick, Ph.D., Headline reads, animal contraceptive and antibiotics in popular fast foods testing reveals. So, and I've said this many times over the years, if you are opposed, let's say you are a devout Catholic opposed for, to contraception. And yet you, every Sunday after church, you go to Chick-fil-A. You can't equate those two belief systems because one violates the other. Why do I say that? Well, kids may unknowingly be consuming an animal contraceptive when they eat a chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A. This is according to a new report from Moms Across America, Zen Honeycutt and the crew. They found veterinary drugs and hormones in food sold by the 10 most popular fast food restaurants uh, in the West or the U.S. And this is the first of a four-part series, so it's going to get more revealing as we go. And I don't know. Am I, I got to too- say it's, it's funny that you mentioned Chick-fil-A. Yes. Because for two reasons. Number one, because for whatever reason, it seems like, and I've heard this, not that I know, I don't have personal experience in this, Yeah, but it seems like church folk like to go to Chick-fil-A. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I think it's because Chick-fil-A is like a Christian-owned- Well, it's uh, owned by a Baptist, at least it was, true at Kathy, the Kathy family. And so they have this great reputation of being- you know, Christian faith-based. They're group. closed and, on Sundays, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. So maybe I said it wrong when I said after church on Sunday, you're going there, maybe Wednesday. But uh, <laughs> the point I'm making is that, and I pointed this out as well for people of faith, that you're harming the temple that you've been given when you eat this food. And and this is not me picking on Chick-fil-A. We've also talked about the other stuff like in Chick-fil-A, MSG, yeah. other things. Well, it's just you know, it's great that the people that own it, you like them, you think they're of like mind and faith, but yet you can't discount the the factory farming of, of animals as being 
dare I say it, not Christ-like. I said it. I know. I'm, I'm willing to uh, insult her. Uh, are, are you saying Jesus would not have eaten in a Chick-fil-A? <sighs> I think they, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think you've ruffled some chicken I've feathers. I've ruffled some feathers. I have. Yeah. And, well, and, and, here, yeah. here's the ironic part of this: the, the report that uh, the Moms Across America did found that yeah. Chick Fil A, their chicken sandwich, contained a uh, a drug called nicarbazin, mm-hmm. which is an antiparasitic drug that also functions as a bird contraceptive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So uh, you tell me, I, again, I, I don't like to play what would Jesus do games because, you know, everybody's going to have a different <laughs> perspective on that. But I, I just find it kind of a, a, a let's say, a, a, a cognitive dissonance for those people that are believers to that they would eat this kind of thing. And, uh, and, and I get the concept of praying things away. Super Don has made fun of me about the hurricanes and things. I mean, look, I believe in the power of prayer. I do not dispute that. But when you have an option to choose healthier food to pray it away is kind of to me, spiritually lazy. And, and again, I'm, I'm risking people going to go, I'm never going to listen to you again, Robert, you've crossed. You're, the line. Right, you're you, done. You, you're I'm so done with now. you. I'm so done yeah. with you. I'm just speaking from my heart. And Keep again, in mind this, though, that, 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 that whole praying the hurricane away thing mm-hmm. that didn't start with hurricanes. No, of course not. that started off with you talking about, cause somebody had asked, would it be okay if I ate something or other, if it was kosher? Yeah. And you were like, well, I don't know that you can pray the GMOs away, right? you know, in the yeah. food. Right. This is why uh, I want an update on kosher laws, too. Yeah. I'm just Which, stepping into it everywhere. I mean, today. I don't know. You know, you'll have yeah. people that'll be just like, you know, it, you know God can do anything, right? I've acknowledged that, you know, again, prayer is, is very positive. It can change things. I don't deny that. It, I just, I find that. You know, it's sort of like, eh, what is it? Trust in God and tie up your camera. What kind, what kind of, are we tap dancing on a landmine here? We are is that, are we kind of? Here. Yeah, probably okay. a little bit. But to, to, to utilize these toxic chemicals in food production, and then you go there and have your kids eat it. I know most people are ignorant still of this, but I've been speaking about this for a long time. And it's just, you know, people say, well, just give me my one thing I want to do. I'm like, okay, look, I'm not condemning you. I'm not, uh, let's say, judging you. I'm just asking the question. You know, once you know, what do you then do? You know, will, are you willing to protect your kids from these animal contraceptives and antibiotics and MSGs? I, I don't know. Some are, some are not. And some are praying it away. And if you're successful at praying it away, God bless you. I mean, how would I take that away from Let me anybody? know what church it is that you go to. Cause yeah, because super you've, you've got the magic formula there, yeah. Now, the Health Research Institute tested samples from Taco Bell, Chipotle, Dunkin' Donuts, Wendy's, uh, Domino's, Burger King, Subway, Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's. And it's interesting. They say that only products from Chipotle and Subway had no detectable levels of these veterinary drugs and hormones. I wouldn't have guessed Subway, but okay. And they also so, Subway is the one that the food babe nailed uh, a few for yoga years ago. Red. Yeah. Remember yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, testing found monensin, an antibiotic used to increase milk production in dairy cows in McDonald's Big Mac, Burger King's Quarter Pounder, Domino's Extra Pepperoni Pizza, Wendy's Cheeseburger, Dunkin's Sausage Egg and Cheese Breakfast Sandwich, and Taco Bell's Beef Taco Supreme. So you're getting, again, the, the synthetic antibiotics in everything, even if you say, oh, I don't take antibiotics, but you eat the food with it in there. Now they're going to say, well, it's just a, such a small amount that it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, but monensin and nericin are antibiotic ionophores 
that work by increasing the ion permeability of cell membranes. So think about that. You are opening up membranes that are the integrity of your cells. And when you do that, it doesn't take much because our functional uh, hormones, endocrine enzymes are at parts per, you know, 150 billion and beyond. So it doesn't take much to answer that question, Super D. And it's not just a little, it's a little here, a little there, a little there, a little there, and it adds up. And so it's a very serious issue when you see the chronic disease in children, much less adults, including cancers. The exposure to these things are very real. And I would urge you to consider other things to eat. Uh, Nicarbazin, the drug found in Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwich, is also used to treating coccidiosis in meat birds for preventing reproduction in geese and pigeons. Yep, that's the contraceptive. Yeah. The bird contraceptive and the bird sandwich. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? The bird mm -hmm. is not the word here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, at least right now. Uh, so we got a lot more to do, including, if we will, and I think you've got an intro for it, too. It's a hit, man. It's a big hit, Super Don. Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, the homeopathic hit of the day, euphrasia, euphrasia, otherwise known as eyebright. So you'll see where this goes pretty obviously. Uh, and Super Don makes this PDF available of each day's homeopathic hit of the day for free. And I'll tell, actually, he'll tell you in a moment about what he's done to make it even easier for you guys. I'm like, Super Don, you are just like so so nice to everybody. I just, it's just ridiculous. Well, we'll get to that. So it's homeopathic hit. We're focusing on euphrasia remedy often used for eye irritations and emotional sensitivity. In this brief guide, of course, we'll delve into a few applications of euphrasia, particularly, particularly it's effectiveness in treating the things we've mentioned here. The origin of euphrasia derived from the eye bright plant, a herb traditionally used for eye related issues. Substance carefully processed and potentized dilution, succussion, dilution, succussion to uh, create this homeopathic remedy. And as you see, you know, eye bright, as you know, you, you can utilize Dr. Christopher's has the herbal eye bright available. So you can use this as an herb. It's not typically toxic like some of the things we'll use in homeopathy where we have to turn it into homeopathy so it can be safely used. Eye bright can be used as an herb formula as well. But if we go down to the key characteristics, Super Don will scroll down for us to see on the screen and we'll get into the physical focus often used for con uh, conditions like conjunctivitis or ITIS inflammation, itis, conjunctivitis, the conjunctiva of the eye in a flame. You'll see red and sore and burning and maybe itchy and stinging, eye irritation, be watery eyes, all kinds of things that could indicate use of euphrasia now we look at homeopathy in mental and emotional ways and various things so remember these are quick hits they're just giving you a couple of entry points to be intrigued to pique your interest to say hey i want to learn more so if we talk about mental states as it relates to euphrasia you might experience emotional sensitivity mood swings and a sense of vulnerability now there are a lot of remedies we've hit that have a similar crossover description. How do I know which one, Robert? Well, that's where you have to begin to dig deeper into the various things in the Materia Medica, which can be, yes, I admit, intimidating and maybe a little off-putting. Not pudding. You never want to get off-putting. If it's organic, it's yummy. How did I get on that? <laughs> well, 
probably another remedy for another day. <laughs> all right. So euphrasia. How uh, can you eat your meat without <laughs> getting off pudding? Uh, all right. Okay. Primary uses. Uh, once again, eye irritations, uh, eye irritations. And uh, we also have uh, conjunctivitis watery eyes, especially when accompanied by itching and redness. So any kind of eye issue, you think euphrasia and you don't put euphrasia in the eye as a homeopathic remedy on a medicated pellet or an alcohol based remedy. You take it orally. You know, the eye bright that you use euphrasia, euphrasia is uh, used as a herb. There are eye bright type washes. Dr. Christopher's has as well. So when we get into emotional sensitivity. We see mood swings, particularly when the individual is prone to feeling vulnerable or overwhelmed. I'm just looking at my Materia Medica now, see if I can uh, find it. It's alphabetical, but there are so many remedies in the Materia Medica. It takes a while to get there even to find them. So if I can go EFG, Euphrasia, and there's the Fs. There's a lot of remedies to find it. And jumping through, you can hear me. Uh, see, you can hear the... The pages turn. Again, I'm trying to help. As the you. pages turn. Yes. There's euphorbia. Where's euphrasia? Okay. So for me, it's on page 300. And uh, go, go ahead and put my camera back on full screen just for a moment. Just so, you know, again, a reminder that when you see a remedy like euphrasia, uh, which is on this page here, it's a lot more than the little things we do on the quick hits. But as I said, the, the gift that Super Don is helping to provide for you is to kind of give you an, uh, something that's not so intimidating so that you might open it up and say, I'm going to study euphrasia today. And you'll go further than we did. And you'll learn more than we're able to relate in this regard. So I just wanted to share that with you and go back on uh, the quick hit here. So we look at the primary uses again, eye irritations, Watery eyes, accompanied by itching and redness, emotional sensitivity used for emotional mood swings, particularly when the individual is prone to feeling vulnerable or overwhelmed. So there's a little bit more hints to what might be indic indicated for your particular emotional sensitivity as opposed to another remedy indicating that. So go ahead and scroll down to the next area here and we get to dosages and potencies. Remember, homeopaths will argue to the ends of the earth about the right potency. I will argue back that there's no way to determine it officially, that the right remedy is much more important. So whether you have a 6X, a 12X, a 12C, a 24X, a 30C, these are what we call lower potencies. That can be used safely, more frequently uh, for self-help, self-limiting issues, acute conditions, mild eye irritations, or emotional sensitivity. If you're going to use the 200C to 1M and beyond, please consult a homeopath. You're getting into chronic, serious, deep disturbances of the emotional body, and uh, that can help, but you might need help from a homeopath at that point. Complementary remedies include some we've covered, like belladonna and ignatia. Belladonna often used after euphrasia for lingering, lingering symptoms of eye irritation or conjunctivitis. Ignatia, as we talked about, is the, the remedy for mourning, but it's also helpful and treating emotional sensitivity, especially when there's a history of grief or loss. So, you know, that can also bring up eye irritation. So you see how it crosses over there. And I added mercurius solubilis, uh, thick red swollen eyelids, profuse acrid burning discharge. This is when the eyes are really bad. And of course it's derived from mercury. So you would never take that as a mother substance, but only in homeopathic form. While euphrasia generally is safe, please avoid self-prescribing for chronic or severe conditions. If symptoms worsen or persist, consult a homeopathic professional. And uh, it's versatile, yes. Emotional, eyes, focus as well. And 
even though this is brief, it may give you some insight and remind you that this is not to replace your chosen medical or non-medical professional to help you when you need to. It's not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, prevent disease, you know, all that kind of thing. It's designed to give you information and education to make better decisions about your own health and the health of your family. And I hope you appreciate the homeopathic hits of the day and super non, you can tell them what you've done to make it even easier. Well, I got a, an email from our friend, Dan Larson, Mm -hmm. who uh, had a suggestion. And so what he suggested was, uh, could we put on the website somewhere, all of the homeopathic hits in one place to make it easy for people to have access to. So yesterday, since it was a travel day for you, I had a little extra time during the day. So I went over to the website and under the more tab, if you arrow over there, I can't, I don't know if, let me see if I've got that. Yeah, you can see it. Uh, you've got your advertiser discount codes. You've got your detox dialogues, which is coming soon. Uh, but the next one down, homeopathic hits. If you open that page mm-hmm. and then when it eventually gets there, uh, you will see that all 24, uh, actually the 25th would be today. I'll add that later on this afternoon, but they're all here. And so you can just scroll down. You can so click on the link. Please keep coming back to the website to get updates. Yes. And please sign up for the newsletter. It's absolutely free. RobertScottBell.com. And I'm going to make available. I was talking with Brian Artis about this. Many people have asked about my PowerPoint presentations at various events. And uh, I just want to make that available as well as PDFs, but you're going to have to sign up for the newsletter to get access to it. I just, you know, I ask not for just please, please sign up so that we can reach out to you and we can let you know how you can download the PDFs, but you'll need to be a newsletter subscriber. Even better, of course, if you're a a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show, what I'll probably do is make those available for you even before that. Uh, since we have special exclusive places, we can put that up uh, for as little as five bucks a month, or you can pay a whole year in advance. Anything you can do to support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty, I appreciate so, so very much. Whoa. Uh, yes. There I'm you big, are, you're so small. Done. How'd that happen? <laughs> there we go. All right. Hey, Super D. We hey. got a new guest coming on right right about now, don't we? We do. He's he's yeah. new to the show, but he's not new to me. Yeah. Not new to you. Yes. We actually we actually worked together off and on back in the day and uh, when in our TRN days. Oh, wow. Going way back. Way back. Yes. Way back there. But Jason, he a uh, great guy. He's got his own show in, in uh, his talk show in, uh, I think it's during drive time in Seattle. Jason Rance, welcome, my friend. It's good to see you. I'm glad you, you knew Super Don from back in the day. Yes. We go back a long time. Good to see you guys. Yes, sir. Great to see you. Well, by the way, I'll be in your state if that's where you are in Seattle, but I won't be up in Seattle. I got to fly into Portland on Friday to go to the uh, PatriotsUnitedWA.com, uh, Patriots United Washington State. And it's just across the Columbia River into Washington down south. We have a Saturday event, the 21st of October. I'll be speaking there. A lot of great Patriots will be there. Brian Artis and I are going to be bringing the health freedom side of that event on Saturday. So I don't know if you're going to be at that event or what's going on up in Seattle. I don't know how you survive Seattle, but Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And your book. Uh, now we have What's Killing America uh, Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. Here's the book. We have it linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. I don't know why anybody would want to live in a big city anymore based on what's happened. I know history of America is partly big cities and the you know a lot of wondrous things that have happened over the history of America that are not all bad, but something's gone horribly wrong. Well, here, here's the problem. What happens in these big cities doesn't stay in the big cities. And the policies that unfortunately have 
come out of the radical left and and ceding so much power to them will impact you if it hasn't already. And I guarantee you, just based on the research that I did for this book, particularly around immigration, around education, you're all already being impacted in some way, shape, or form. There were lots of folks on my radio show out here in Seattle that used to text me, say, I'm done with Seattle. I can't do it anymore. I'm now moving to Vancouver. I'm now moving to Enumclaw or Spokane Mm -hmm. and Bellingham. But now they're saying those same policies are there because especially in the case of Washington state, the legislature is now controlled by the radical left. We have these situations going on every single place in this country. And folks know when they walk out that something's wrong, that they're seeing more homelessness or open drug use. They're seeing more litter everywhere. They're seeing the stories every single day of of crimes that they're just not used to happening in, in the numbers that they are, but they don't know why it's necessarily happening. They might have some generalized viewpoint and, and some people jokingly respond to the title of my book by saying Democrats. But the fact of the matter is, it's not that simple and it will never be that simple. It goes so much farther than that because you have institutionalized change, courtesy of the radical left, putting policies into place, making these changes to the law. And they're not going there's no flipping of the switch. We're going to be dealing with this for a while. So this is not all about how radical leftists in the Biden administration are changing cities. This is happening in the state level, which is interesting because when we think about one of the the remedies against uh, overbearing federal government policies, you think 10th Amendment nullification. Now you're having to be within the state trying to figure out how do you nullify these uh, Marxist policies that are eking out into the rural areas as well. Yeah, this, this is a book that doesn't really have anything to do with the Biden administration. It has to do with radical leftists who are ideologically driven. The majority of the impacts to your personal life are decided on the local level, not at the national level. There's obviously some, but that's not really what this is about. When we're talking about housing policy, and I would argue the reason why it's gotten so expensive beyond just inflation to live where you live is because of really lopsided, silly, ideologically driven policies coming out of your council or your mayor's office when we talk about defunding the police. That happened on a local level. It might have been embraced and part of a national movement, but those were local decisions that were made. But ultimately, and and this is what I, I view as the largest problem with all of these issues, frankly, regardless of the topic, radicals on the left use very specific coded language. It sounds great when it's being pitched to you on paper or maybe in a newscast where they're talking about this new, innovative, compassionate way to deal with, insert whatever the problem is. But if you don't know how to decode the language of the left, you're going to fall for it every single time. And that's why there are so many policies in place that are destroying communities. And yet they continuously get backed by folks in the community because they don't realize what's going on. They're not connecting the dots. And for the few people who do know what's happening and can't speak the language, they're not very effective in communicating that to folks in these cities who are Democrats, some moderate, some pretty far to the left. And if you're not able to have those conversations, you're not gonna be able to win those arguments. And thus we're gonna find ourselves constantly on the defensive until we've lost all of our communities. Is Seattle a lost city? Is there any way to regain, you know, I, I visited that city many times over the years, beautiful place, you know, had great trips over the years, but I, I would try to stay out of it if I could, you know, and I can for the most part, uh, and not just because of whatever happened with the city called Chaz or Chop or whatever it was back then, but 
Uh, I, I just wonder if these cities are salvageable. Is there a way back or is it going to have to get much, much worse? There are ways back. And the reason why I wrote What's Killing America is I don't want people to wake up one day and realize it was too late, that finally they realized what was going on. And then they said, OK, now it's my time to step up and do something only to realize it's too late, because that's what's happening right now in San Francisco. They woke up, but they woke up too late. They ended up getting rid of recalling their DA, Chesa Boudin. They ended up recalling three of their school board members. Those were the only three who were eligible for recall. And that wasn't like conservatives doing that. That was a group of progressives who decided to step up and make some change. But it's too late for them. They took too long. And I don't want folks who are listening right now, regardless of where it is they are, to come to that realization or feel personally an impact, a consequence of one of these bad policies, and then realize they, they just waited too long and it is too far gone. That's not fair to the people who live in the community who build lives and have homes and jobs there. It's just not fair to them. So I wanted to give people the tools and the information that they need to ensure that, yes, we can save these cities. And Seattle is something that can be saved. We're starting to see some folks wake up, but it, it can't just be, you know, one or two people in the Seattle area pushing this. It has to be everyone who has access to this information. And the same is going to be true of every single city in this country. Well, the polarization of, of the political parties is such that, you know, if you go to a city like Seattle, as you point out, Washington itself is a supermajority Democrats. Uh, you know, I don't know there's a way to get Republicans in office there if that was to be the, the case that makes the difference. Unless it won't. That's Democrats not the difference. themselves have to figure out that they've been choosing the wrong policies. That, that's what you have to focus on. You, you are talking about, at least right now, and we'll be like this for a very long time, you're going to choose between two Democrats. And in many cases, you'll get someone who's very, very far to the left, and you'll get someone who's maybe a little bit more moderate, maybe liberal, but not insane. You can actually have conversations with them. So you have to make sure that people know the language that the radicals use, because at least you can have discussions and have some influence over more moderate Democrats and more liberal leaning folks. You're not going to be able to do that with the people who are the radicals. They are like they they act as if they're in a cult where they they I don't even think they see what it is they're doing because they're true believers to the cause. Those are folks you want to stay away from. And we're not just talking about it on the council level. I mean, even your water commissioner, if they're very, very far to the left, all of a sudden you realize they're looking at everything through a quote unquote equity lens. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, they're not putting out fires that need to be put out. So I think that that's something that we all have to pay attention to. This idea that we're gonna get a conservative mayor in Portland or San Francisco Maybe you get one in New York, but it's going to be a moderate Republican. But for mm -hmm. the most part, you just have to make sure that we're steering things back to where they need to be. And then the second part is to get them to vote conservative. But that's not going to happen overnight. And you have to protect folks from the radicals first. Mm. Well, you're are, you're are you still on regularly on the Seattle airwaves? Yep. I'm on weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. So aren't you like protested and yelled at? Isn't that station shut down? I mean, there's so much intolerance. We must cancel anybody who has any opinions that are not approved. Well, they certainly have tried, but they have not yet been successful. So knock on wood, it stays uh, unsuccessful, but they certainly are not. Uh, they're not fans. Yeah. OK, well, I'm glad to hear that there are some voices that are not just uh, the echo chambers of what a lot of folks have ended up believing in uh, there and 
in these other areas. That's a, at least some good sign. There's something on the airwaves that's a counterpoint to what's going on. Uh, as far as, um, you know, uh, this fo- this show has been focused a lot on health freedom. And we've seen in the last three years the politicization of, of health even uh, to where, you know, if you don't wear a mask, if you don't want to get, uh, you know, an experimental COVID injection, you're suddenly, uh, you know, a, a rabid right wing, whatever you want to be called. And uh, I don't know if, if you're seeing also in Seattle, like a lot of the leftist cities, the masks are coming back and and boosters and, and flu combination, flu shot combinations with COVID jabs. I mean, are there people uh, still in that arena that have completely uh, unaware of the devastation that those policies have brought? Yes, 100 percent. We still have that here. And again, I think that that's just part of not being able to get on their level and making the arguments. You're, you are dealing with folks who have been indoctrinated. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I don't care whether or not someone makes a decision on their own health that I disagree. It's not for me to decide. And if you want to wear a mask outside, go for it, I guess. It's where you start to push that on other people where I start mm-hmm. to say, no, we're not doing that. and I'm not OK with that. But those are the kinds of policies and that's the kind of thinking you get when you've got radicals in charge and they took advantage post uh, COVID right at the beginning and they took advantage of that fear. They took advantage post George Floyd and the BLM movement. They got into positions of power. Some of them have already been there. They've just been kind of waiting to make their move. Mm -hmm. In other cases, they've implemented policies very slowly over the course of decades and then it all accelerated because we allowed them to. And that's on us. That's because we allowed them to. But the good news is we can allow something to happen. We can also allow something to go away. And we just have to take ownership of that kind of power and make sure that we're doing it in responsible ways. And we're doing it in ways that will win people over to our side. And that generally means we're not yelling at people. We're not calling them stupid. We're actually having conversations with them. And I think that we can actually be really effective. And we've seen that kind of impact already, particularly around schools. Yeah. Well, the irony of, of those policies, they're being foisted from a top down perspective. And I, I mean, even beyond the Biden administration, when we talk about the World Health Organization and the United Nations. In fact, uh, they want to be able to, uh, through treaty, uh, tell everybody in America how to you know, respond to a, a real or imagined threat like a, a pandemic of some kind. And, and that's another irony. Those people on the left that want that. They're actually arguing for the same globalists who are mucking up things in the Middle East, if you will, uh, creating a you know a scenario where I liken it to, if you've heard the the, the analogy, if you will, of a white ant, I'm sorry, black ants and red ants that normally don't get along, but you can put them in a, a, a jar and they're just fine together. You shake that jar up and suddenly now it's a vicious war. And it's like uh, people that live near one another. They find out and they figure out pretty much without anybody telling them that it's in their best interest to get along, even if they don't like each other, right? They can disagree on stuff and you kind of go, you know, we're better off not being at war all the time or ever. And yet we're seeing now with the uh, the, the blowups in the Middle East and, uh, you know, you've written an article as well about uh, many progressives and socialists in Seattle uh, being not only anti-Semitic, but just there's a hatred of Jews. And I don't know if there's a way to distinguish between those two things, Semitism and Judaism as well. Maybe you have a perspective on that, but there's an outright uh, uh, hatred of, of, of the Jewish people now coming out among these leftists. There is. And that's driven by an ideology that's driven by this obsession over identity politics, viewing people as oppressed or oppressor. 
there has always been that anti-Semitism within that movement. It's obviously not been at the forefront because they were focused on policing the criminal justice system in general in this country. But they were always taking these like weird positions about being quote unquote anti-colonialism or anti-imperialist coded language uh, in, in that case. So I can't say that I'm shocked that we're seeing this kind of hatred on display. I, I suppose I'm somewhat surprised that people feel comfortable enough to celebrate Hamas as a terrorist organization murdering innocent civilians. I, I, I didn't think I would see the celebrations, uh, but I can't say that I'm completely shocked when you are a true believer. And again, this oppressor versus oppressed, if, if you make an argument in a certain way, and because the left has control of the language and the culture, you can redefine words, you can redefine and reframe arguments so that you're guaranteed to win them each and every time. Mm -hmm. So that's what we have to be worried about and that's what we have to be on guard with. And we, we can do exactly the same thing. We just have to recognize when it's happening. And dare I say, there are a lot of conservatives who are not recognizing when it's happening. Yeah, you use the word colonialism. And if I look at the history of the people of planet Earth, it's been one people conquering another over the history of the history of, of planet Earth. When we talk about the Middle East, though, you know, if we call it that uh, the area of, uh, you know, what was called Palestine, Palestinian lands, Jordan, all, Syria, all of those areas, Egypt and all of that. The Jewish people have been there for thousands of years. It's not like they were just, you know, they came in and took. I mean, there's so many controversies. But when you say it in that way, we look at America, and we go, OK, the Native American or the Indians here. Uh, you know, everywhere you go, there's elements of what we call colonialism. I don't know that it's the same thing in, in, you know, where Israel is because they've always been there. It doesn't look like you marched down into Africa and took over the Belgian Congo, for instance. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously an ancestral connection to the land. I suppose you can still be seen as colonialist. I mean, again, if you redefine words to, to, to make your argument, you can be seen as absolutely anything. They obviously folks on the far left and the ones who are pro Hamas, which is different than people who are pro Palestinian. I assume everyone is quote unquote pro Palestinian and that they don't want to see innocent people die. And we want to treat people with respect. But the, the folks who are siding with Hamas, uh, you know, we all have to understand that they're radicals and they don't believe that Israel has any right to the land. These folks don't have a clue what it is they're talking about when it comes to the history of the land. They just see the West as powerful. They see Israel as a representation of the West, the culture, the language, and the power structure. And that's all they see. They see oppressed versus oppressor. And in a lot of ways, when you accept that and you recognize that that's just their worldview, it makes it a lot easier to actually have these conversations and just make sure that they're not winning people over. It's not about changing the minds of a radical. You're not going to change the mind of a radical, but you can change the minds of everybody else who is susceptible to accepting where the radical is taking us. And that's really what what's killing America is about. Well, you know, when you take speak about the oppressed, you know, the progressivists that promote LGBTQ, tell me on which Arab nation that the LGBTQ people can just be who they are and let their flags fly without oppression or worse. Yeah, the irony is the the folks who are siding with Hamas, the ones who are, I saw a lesbian couple holding hands at a pro-Hamas rally. And the first thing I thought was, you are protesting against the existence of the only country in that region that actually accepts you and has rights given to you and afforded to you. And you're siding with this people who would take you to the tallest rooftop and throw you from it. That That's really 
confusing to me and yeah. conflicting. But again, when you're a true believer and it's like a cult, you're just not seeing it. You're just, not you're either in denial. Thinking at yeah. all. Here's uh, Bill Maher, who's been known to be a progressive leftist in many ways, uh, commenting on this thing called colonialism. And he, he's probably making uh, uh, many of his leftist friends very angry. But let's let's give a watch. Colonizers. OK, this is again, this has become like on the, in, the, in the media. Colon, we just call the Israelis. Colon. It's not a colonizing. No. But, OK, colonizer is when one country that was had nothing to do with another country like the British or the Dutch in South Africa, marched in with an army and took over a place that they had no connection to. Israel has quite a connection to Israel. Jews are the... Uh, yes, if you... Uh, yes, most people, so many people commenting about this seem to have just started their understanding of it from five minutes ago. Uh, the Jews are the Native Americans of this piece of land. Yes, if you did land. a land acknowledgement okay. like we do in this country, where right. I'm standing on yes. ground that was, yes. I'm standing on ground that 3,000 years ago was King David's capital of Jerusalem. It's important, that, who, do they, who do, does Hamas and many Palestinian sympathetic people, who do they refer to as settlers and colonizers? It's not just the Israelis living in the disputed West Bank. It's Israelis living anywhere within the internationally recognized borders of the state of Israel. Because to them, any Jew in that territory is considered a colonizer. And this language is used to dehumanize people and to license their murder. So it's, it's really important that we understand yeah. what this, what this and, and is. And, and if that land acknowledgement means like we honor who originally had the land, why does this work for Indians but not Jews? Dude, he's going to tick off a lot of people <laughs> speaking about that topic in that way. And, uh, you know, by the so way, it's, a, it's another day for Bill Maher. Right. You know, uh, as I've said, my mother was there at the dawning of Israel. Uh, you know, she wrote a book about her, her journey experience there. I have family there. Uh, some are, you know, fighting right now. And, and yet uh, I am not condoning, you know, a wanton uh, a violence against women and children and babies, you know, in the in counterattacks here. Uh, so if they, you know, if if um, Netanyahu or the Israeli army goes too far in some areas, I'm I'm willing to speak out against that. I'm I'm not so, let's say, if we call it partisan in that way. I I don't like war in any form. I realize as a, in a defensive way to defend yourself as a country is is an an obligation you have. Uh, so I'm not naive about that. But there's nothing pretty about war, and there are always unfortunately casualties. But the question is, if you direct and intend to. Uh, kill women, children, babies. That's that's a different discussion. Sure. Uh, the good news is that's not what's happening, right? I mean, Israel is not targeting civilians with any intent of harm. They've done everything and they always do everything they can to ensure that civilians understand where it is they're going to strike. The problem, of course, as you know, is that Hamas keeps these people there. They tell them not to leave when Israel is telling them to leave. They'll booby trap uh, their escape routes, they'll block their escape routes, they use humans as shields. And they do that because that's a way that they can put out propaganda that is then utilized by folks online who claim that Israel is targeting civilians, when the truth is they're put in an impossible position. And ultimately, they're going to have to side with what's best for their country. And survival uh, is the issue that there is an existential threat with Hamas, and simply slaughtering a bunch of Jews and then taking some civilians and putting them in front of your missiles Israel's still going to have to do something. So they do what they can 
obviously going in a ground incursion is going to, it's very dangerous and it's going to lead to a lot of bloodshed on the Israeli side. But that's one of the ways that they're going to be able to mitigate some of the risks of hitting these civilians. But at some point, you know, the context here matters. It's important. And Israel does not target these folks. That would be Hamas, which is what we saw last week. Have you been able to speak about some of these issues on your radio show up in Seattle? Yeah, I talk about everything on my show. I have nothing off limits. Anything that's on my mind, I get to talk about. Oh, very good. Well, I'm glad you're there and able to do that. Are you are you taking calls in opposition on your show as well? Live on the air? We have we have guests on in opposition. I just don't take calls, period. So we'll have members of Congress who come on to debate me. Any activist who wants to come on, I'm happy to talk to them as well. Uh, That's just the, the format of the show. And when does your show air? So for people probably outside of Seattle can watch or listen online as well. Yeah, they can uh, go to the KTTH app, KTTH.com. You can ask your Echo device to tune into the Jason Rant Show. It's weekdays from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And of course, we're also the show is available on podcasts, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Okay, three to seven. So you're about to join your show live in a moment after this. Almost. We're, We're about an hour away. Okay. Yeah. Well, getting a good warm up today, Jason. I appreciate you. And again, we have your book linked up in the show notes. You can get it online or elsewhere. What's Killing America? Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. Uh, Available as hardcover uh, just as of uh, looks like last last month came out. So uh, brand new, Jason. Appreciate what you're doing out there, communicating and being willing to engage in intellectual discussions and debates on these issues as well and not running from them because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I live in Seattle as a conservative. I'm always uncomfortable, so I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Super Don, it's good, good little reunion here with Jason bringing it as he is. And I appreciate the discussion on these topics and more. And uh, Jace, continued success with your show. And, uh, and may you not get banned on any platform. Fingers crossed. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, keep it up. All right. Jason Rance, check out his book. It's linked up in the show notes at robertscatbell.com as we're wrapping up uh, the Tuesday edition here on the uh, 17th of October, 2023. Uh, We had some great food uh, storage discussion, preservation discussion with Marjorie Wildcraft in the first hour with Super Don. And uh, she's so proud of you, Super Don. I know. I know. I I feel like I feel like it's like Aunt Marjorie or something. That's uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, she did cares such a about good you. job. Yeah, and she's it's, encouraging me and you both to get the the egg laying chickens dude, now. I don't know if I can do chickens. I, dude, you didn't know you maybe could do other stuff either. So no, I mean, that's different though. Yeah, that, that, that you put it in the ground, and it stays there, and yes, I mean you do water it and whatever yeah. like that. Chickens, that's a commitment. Mm-hmm. That's quite a commitment. Um, well. What what does your wife think of that? Have you talked about it? I don't know. I'll have to bring that up. I've never brought that up. It's just never been a thing. Now, rabbits, rabbits, I'm not going to do because rabbits, it's not like they lay eggs. No. Unless you like you, you want Cadbury eggs or something, but (laughs) you know, but, uh, cause I'm not, I'm not going to be doing any slaughtering of animals, but, um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not against eating meat. Right. I just don't want to deal with the. You want to be the one to deal with it. So, but as Marjorie suggested, that you connect with somebody who will do it and do some kind of trade. But see, out they, but see that, you, that that won't work either. No, because I raised the rabbit. You're gonna be too attached to them. It's it's Fufu the rabbit. I can't go like here. I don't want to kill <laughs> Fufu. Will you please kill Fufu for me? No, <laughs> you can't do that. 
So I don't know. Beyond arm's length. What I would do, what I would do maybe is, Mm -hmm. is if I got the chickens, then I would trade the eggs for, but then I wouldn't want to eat rabbit anyway. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I could find you get a hungry enough and nothing is available. You, that's you know, different. You, you that's change different. your perspective, of course, and, and that's what that we're, is, you know, we're is having to discuss different. now. So we're at the tail end of today's show. Uh, no uh, animal puns intended, yes. uh, but appreciate Jason Rance for being on board, as well as Marjorie Wildcraft. And if you'd like to hang out for a little bit longer, we do have a bonus round available to us and you at robertscatbell.com. Our next AMA for our um, patron supporters will be, what, Saturday the 28th? of uh october maybe i think it's noon eastern 9 a.m pacific saturday the 28th of october super don's going to confirm that right now if you have your calendar you'll look at it it'll probably magically appear and go yes robert you're right uh the 28th is a saturday yes you are correct yes i got it it's the same day as your yes concert that's right yes 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 all right folks back in a moment power to heal is yours. All right. Bonus round begins now. I don't, I got, I got no agenda this bonus round. So if y'all have anything in the chat room, bring it. Otherwise it might be short today. I'm still playing catch up. I got loads of calls to make because being away at the health freedom expo, you don't get a lot of extra time off with the uh, panel discussions, the talks, the recordings and everything else that's going on and also i had you know equipment issues again at the uh at the event i think it was the scarlet focus right that crapped out this time not the interface that's what i'm thinking so i need i need to replace that by before i leave friday for the next event the patriotsunitedwa.com and uh the 21st of october that's coming up and i hope to see y'all there in southern washington right across the border from portland oregon um that's coming up this this weekend uh, let's see what else. Um, <clears throat> After the 21st, we've got the Functional Medicine Summit and Expo in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, thanks to Terry and Stu Warner, Doctors Warner, and uh, Brian Artis is scheduled to be there. Jack Wolfson, Judy Mikevitz. I mean, there's a it's a rock star lineup for that one, and it's uh, coming up early November. Then the Great Exodus Conference in Dallas, uh, and uh, November 11th and 12th. And then I'll be speaking on the economic issues of gold as money and gold, silver, and, and copper as medicine. So that's going to be fun. And we have the Autism Health Summit in the 20, 2024, and more will be added to the mix. But sign up. Uh, let's see. What else we got to announcements here in the bonus round? Super Don, you with me? Or you got dogs barking at your heels? Uh, I can't figure out what's going on. They're, they lost going- their minds over something. <laughs> I'm noticing on my browser, and you tell me if this is right, because I know we have transitioned our uh, uh, website from one host to another. Yeah. And I'm seeing all of the banners below at the way bottom, like it's on my phone instead of on the right hand side. Are you seeing that? Or is that just me? Uh, they're on the right hand side on the website. Like they used to be. Okay. For some yeah. reason in the browser, I'm not getting that. Maybe. Well, you know, it, the it, it, there's stuff going on. It, it looks like it's still in, in, uh, progress, Process. but, okay. um, we have, there are some changes to the website itself. Okay. Um, it does have a different look to it, and it's because the version of WordPress got upgraded okay. to what it was supposed to be. We've been operating. <laughs> this is the reason why you know it's that we we uh, just you and I we aren't experts in everything. 
No, we're not. In fact, we're only experts in a couple of things and we do the best we can with the rest of it. Yes. But uh, the version of WordPress that we were using for a really long time was just like years old. Many and it's old, like, yes. it, kept, it kept going, oh, please upgrade, please upgrade. And it's like, I, I didn't know how, you know. Right, and, so, and if you did, we would have lost the site probably. Probably, who knows what would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so it has changed the format a little bit. So if it looks different on the phone, that's probably why. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to change it. So. Okay. It's still up though. That's a good sign. It is. It's still there. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. Well, let's see if we got any, any anybody got anything to say here. Bonus round. That was the last thing you said. Yeah, it's quiet. It's quiet today. One-sided news, killing America 2. Israel has attacked. Let's see. Yeah, okay. Yeah, a lot of stuff. A lot of comments on Israel and stuff. Yeah. No, I'm not happy when women and children are. You know, the latest latest thing here um, was apparently there was some kind of a a rocket or something that uh, blew up a hospital in Gaza. And apparently, this has been developing over the time that we've been on the air. And um, Israel has provided evidence and video and stuff like that saying that it was a misfire (laughs) from the jihadis uh, that blew up the hospital. And it wasn't Israel that did it. Um, But, you know, this is it goes right with what you guys were talking about. This is the it's a propaganda war at this point. Mm-hmm. In addition to obviously to the, the actual you know bullets that are are flying and rockets that are flying, um, so it would not be, um, and this is just my speculation, but I, I would say it would not be out of uh, the question that uh, the terrorists, the Hamas, could do something like this in order to sway public opinion about Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, do something like this and then go, oh, look, Israel did this so that the world would go, oh, Israel is killing hundreds of people in a hospital. This is the kind of stuff they do. And so it's not it's um, I mean, I'm sure because, you know, at this point, Israel's going to say we didn't do it. And yeah. Hamas is going to say, yes, they did. Mm-hmm. And now and you, know, you have a predisposition to believe one side, not the other. Well, know. yeah. And I, I don't know if the U.N. has done it yet. I know people have been waiting for them to come out with some kind of, uh, you know, um, angry letter mm. that they're going to send to Israel, uh, you know, saying, "Oh, you guys shouldn't be do this. We need to negotiate a ceasefire." Um. Anyway, politics. Yeah. Well, the first casualty in any war is the truth, as you yep. know that. So. <sighs> anyway. So what's up, man? You're silent. Dude. All of a sudden. Anyway, great, great weekend. Got to hang out with Jeffrey Smith. Haven't seen him in a while. That was so much fun. I'm telling you, if you guys get to see the panel discussions, and Jeffrey did a remarkable, marvelous job, not that he wouldn't, of moderating the CAM panel, which is a complimentary alternative medical panel. It was was great. And I got to be on it. I got to sit and just kind of hang out and wait for questions. That was fun. Uh, So when you guys, uh, if you didn't get to see it, You'll have to join us on the February 2024 Virtual Health Freedom Expo. And, uh, you know, you'll get to see all that you missed. 
But as I said, even if you went there, there are things you couldn't see because there's, you know, too much going on at the same time. But another wonderful, wonderful weekend. Thanks to Julie Whitman Klein and the family for hosting us and looking forward to a bunch of other events coming up. And uh, they're always in the upcoming events tab. And as Super Don mentioned, he added a whole other tab under the more tab. You go more and what pops up is including now the homeopathic hits. So uh, he's making it easier for you. Even if you don't remember what day we did it, you can get the document for free. And if you feel that's a value to you, you want to say thanks, please share the show. At least sign up for the newsletter uh, at robertscatbell.com. And even better, if you want to become a patron supporter, well, we appreciate that as well. Our next AMA is the 28th of uh, October, Saturday, noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific. And we look forward to seeing you there. We always do a lot of giveaways, a lot of fun giveaways. Yep. In fact, I think I'm going to show everybody what, what they might get. Hold on here. This is a gift I got from Nutritional Frontiers. Check out. This is a monster immune kit. Can you see that? Wow. Yeah. What's in that? It's got quercetin, buffered C+, vitamin D3, super zinc, 50, immunomax, and an, an alcohol-based natural hand sanitizer that doesn't carry any of the nasty stuff. No. So. This is like stuff we get to give away because we get gifts and, from our sponsors. And those are usually full bottles, too, that they put in those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, this is a big time. It's not like it's kit. a trial size or something. Uh, you know, we give away a lot of silver, a lot of copper, uh, various different fun stuff. Sometimes we have swag or drip, sometimes, from the show. Did you just say drip? I did because the kids are saying it. And I have you to now You both. said it in a, in, in, in a way that made it sound like you would, like, say that all the time or something. I have to be cool. I guess. The kids. Poser. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <sighs> oh, man. All right. So let's see here. We got somebody saying your mic level is low. I'll have to go back and check that. It seems okay. Well, usually when mine is low, it's not that. I never change mine. And so it usually, remember when we talk about yours being hotter, but I didn't notice it that mine badly should today. Not, yeah, mine should not yeah. be. I checked and, and the setting so, was okay on that. But yeah, I, it, I wish we would always have the same levels, but for some reason, that's one of those things. So I went and looked, uh, you know, Mercedes, when we were talking about food preservation and Mercedes yeah. uh, brought up the, the egg thing. Liming the eggs. Yeah. And so I went and, and, and looked that up and I actually sent it to you. And it, it's called water glassing eggs, water glassing. And what you do is you submerge the, the eggs clean, unwashed mm -hmm. uh, in what's called a pickling lime. Okay. Uh, it, are, and water. are the eggs cooked or not cooked? They're not cooked. Wow. They're like the, just like, you know, like uh, chicken lays the egg. You, yeah. you, uh, you, you, don't wash them. You don't wash you just, it. But yeah, just clean eggs. Of course, how do you make? How do you know if it's clean if it's unwashed? That's weird. Uh, good anyway, question. anyway, yeah. I guess you could run it under some water. I guess maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, you you put it in this this lime water, this pickling lime and water. Which the the pickling lime, it's like some kind of like Mercedes uh, says it has to be unwashed. Okay. All right. Yeah. Anyway, you put it in this thing, and you, and and um, apparently, like. You can preserve it for like 12 to 18 months. And it says here that they've even uh, been okay after two years. And they say here, the result is a perfectly fresh, unspoiled egg, just like they were the day the hen laid them. That's pretty wild. Isn't that crazy? Who would have figured that out? Think about that in history. Let's add lime water and like, that's amazing. 
And the lime, uh, if I let me see, the pickling lime, it's like some kind of, uh, let's see, pickling lime. Lime, what is it? It is calcium hydroxide, mm -hmm. is what it is, uh, yeah. dissolved in water. Now, you got to be careful with that stuff because if you go to try and do that, um, that stuff can be bad for you. Yeah. Uh, if it isn't just dissolved in water and used in that way. But yes. in any case, I mean, can you imagine having fresh egg and you put it in those water in this jar and then, you know, a year and a half from now, <laughs> you pull it out and you crack it and make some egg. That's wild. That's kind that of mind wild. blowing. But yeah. apparently it's, it's, this is something they've been doing for like, you know, since the 1800s or something. So. Yeah. It's lost technology from ancient aliens, but it's back. All right. Thanks, Mercedes, for that. Appreciate yeah. that. All right. Uh, I would be see. scared to try it, but I might. Yeah. Could you Could you imagine, like, okay, it's been a year. Let's try the egg. I mean, I know. I can look at I can tell by the look on your face you feel the same way. Well, like, I don't I've know. Opened, I've, I've cracked open an egg that was way too old that was in somebody's fridge, and it's like, ooh. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll know right away if it's good what or not. What does it look like after it's been sitting there for too long? Dude, it was black. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And horrible smell. Horrible. Oof. Wow. Yeah. So okay. I'll never forget that. That's That was my face when you were saying that. That's what it was coming from. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what do we got this week coming up before heading out for the next event? Well, uh, this week. I don't know. That's right. You're taking off again this weekend. Yep. Uh, let's see. We got the PatriotsUnitedWA.com. So we had Jason on today. Tomorrow, Will Witt. Will, Will Witt. Witt. Yes. And then... Not Will Wheaton. Will yeah, Witt. Will Witt. And then, let's see, on Thursday the 19th, we have the four docs. Does that mean we're going to have Brian Artis, Henry Ely, Jana Schmidt, and um, uh, Ed Group? Um, I don't know. Thursday the 19th? What do you yes. mean you don't know? Artist group Elian Schmidt. Wow, that's fun. We had a great time with them last time. And then Friday, it looks like April O'Toole and Gabby Fissler informed Choice Iowa. And Cody Klein from Trinity, Trinity School of Natural Health on Friday. Um, Friday would be the 20th, right? Right. Well, it's a travel day, so I'm pre-recording it. But then there's a uh, he'll have to. I think he said he's going to reschedule Jackie for Friday. So I only got, show one. I only show one person on Friday. That person is going to be rescheduled, dude. Oh, gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm going way. way oh, faster right, than right, right. I right. can go right now. No, I didn't see the pre-recorded. That's right. Okay. I know. Gotcha. Okay, sounds good. But we're going to have new shows every day this week. That's what I mean. There's not going to be a rerun other than yesterday, which was a great rerun because. You know, I'm so grateful uh, for uh, Dr. Kenneth Oliver helping my wife out so much. And also, of course, uh, Christine Glein and Jamie Dorley with Nutritional Frontiers. That was a bonus if you didn't get to see them earlier in the month. Uh, but we're, we're live all the way through uh, from here on out. That's the plan. So anything else before we take a break till tomorrow? Marge is over in the chat room on Rumble mm -hmm. along with 27 people. Hey, Marge, in the Rumble crowd. She's the only one talking in the chat room. Okay. Um, she has a bit of a a conundrum here today. What is that? Because, you know, she likes to go watch Kate Daly. Right. Or listen to Kate Daly. I don't know if it's watch or listen. Yeah. 
But apparently Judy Mikovits is going to be on Kate Daly, and she's not a big fan of uh, of Judy Mikovits. So, did we ever find out why she doesn't like Judy? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but what I want to know is, will you still listen to Kate Daly if she has Judy Mikovits on? Well, if she hasn't left to go listen to her, that would be your answer. True. We'll see. See if she's already on. We're in the bonus round. Anyway, that's all I've got. Okay. I've got lots to do, <laughs> All right. so I'm going to get on it. Okay. Well, we'll, folks, appreciate you hanging out with us and uh, spending the day, spending a little bit of your afternoon, your valuable time with us. We will be back tomorrow, and until then, you guys have a great day, and we'll see you then. 